Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show, episode 103. It's like we started 100 episodes on episode 3, we're now 100. It's crazy. I don't I don't get it, man. Like, I'm just saying, like, three ep- when we started with three episodes... It felt like so early on, and now we're at 103, which means it's really far out. That's all I'm trying to say. How's it going, Evan? Yeah. It's going good. Having a great day. How about you? Great day. Why Nick's not here, and I'm not here every other week, it seems. It's what the tour does to us. Nick is at the PDGA World Championships competing, and tonight they had a players' meeting that, in true Nick fashion. He's like, I didn't, I didn't know it was a thing. I can't come on the show, guys. <laughs> so good for you, Nick. Yeah. Good Come on, you. Nick. Act like you've been there. Yeah. How many worlds has he been to? I honestly don't know. I, I should have pulled up that stat ahead of time. But yeah, uh, it, this he, isn't his first, right? No, it's not his first. He did the fort yeah. last year, and I think he did. Oh, one. Duh, he did the. I think I he did that. one or two before that. We'll, we'll have to ask. Yeah, him, I was trying to think if he did Peoria or not, but. To his benefit, he was trying to line up Eagle as a guest tonight. And he's like, Eagle, come on the show. And Eagle and him start looking at the schedule of events. And Eagle's like, no, like I can't. And he's like, what? So anyways, here we are. Evan and I are holding it down. We got intern Ben at the controls doing what he does. Um, I'm excited to be back as well. So I didn't play disc golf on my last trip out to Wisconsin. Honestly, I was just too swamped and slammed with work. But man traveling has been a thing for me like i think some of you are going to blow me away with your stats but here's one for you evan 31 out of the last like 55 days i've been away from my house so it's more than half it's pretty incredible and you just moved i i just moved and i think like 14 on my 14 days here i've been here longer than that haven't i i don't know really uh it's august 29th i moved in early august i like the 8th maybe Time? So I guess that's like 20, 21 days here, and I think I've spent every night here. I don't think I haven't. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> don't time flies, dude. You're at a new place. You're settling in. Does it still feel really new to you? Uh, Yeah, it still feels new, getting used to the routine and all that, but it's it's settling in. Still have boxes to unpack. I mean, no ski I'm, maps. I'm not on full screen. <laughs> I have no ski maps, and I have boxes to unpack, and good thing we're on this split screen action right here. Yeah, just because uh, I got a box behind me still. <laughs> we'll just go full screen every <laughs> but, now and then. <laughs> yeah, but well, I mean, if you do go full oh. screen, there it is. Oh. Check out, oh, wrong side. Check out yeah, this. Yeah, that's box what I was right just saying. Here. Whoa. Oh, I can't get my thumb. Stat there we Mando go. hats. That is galore. a row of Stat yeah, Mando hats. How many uh, Stat Mando so, hats is that? And, and which, how many of them are small and how many medium Stat Mando? Uh, <laughs> He's like, we, we, we do stats on discs, not hats. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I got 30 hats sitting right here. We got uh, a little surprise for some of our, our researchers coming out to Maple Hill in a, less than a month. Like, it's like two or three weeks now. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, and then a few of our other researchers are getting a nice little surprise that I don't think I even told them that it's coming. But if they're watching this, they'll know. But uh, big shout out to Deskira. Uh, they got all these uh, hats done and we got some shirts, too. So, okay. I want to say thank you to Cosmic DG for presenting episode 103. You can find your disc golf needs at cosmicdg.com as you're seeing it on the screen there. If you're watching live, if you're not watching live, go ahead and check out our information uh, description for this episode and you can find that there and all of our wonderful sponsors. 
Well, Evan, we have made it to the week. This is literally the recording. This is the evening before the 2022 PDGA World Championships. This event, and I was driving around today a little bit uh, in between work and errands and stuff, and I thought to myself, why is it that we have decided that the World Championships by title, and I get that's how events are, you have to title them, but how come we've decided that this is like the crowning moment, the the way that we describe and, and announce our players that this event is the way. Um, they don't have to qualify. I'm treading lightly here. They don't have to qualify to play in this event, really. I'm saying that again a little bit lightly. Maybe the future, it's on its way to that. But they don't have to qualify. Um, it's pretty wide open. If you want to play the World Championships, you're probably getting in. And I don't think it's a bad thing, per se, but it's... There's something to be said about invitationals and the process of getting there. And we're going to actually go and dive into this a little bit later. You might give us some stats on like this first year ever for playoffs. Like the pro tour is doing something that I'm kind of talking about here is like, will the pro tour finale ever become just as big? And people are laughing at me now, but my point is I'd love to see the world championship get to a place where like all over the world, players are qualifying and they're getting an invite for their country, right? And they're represented. And I think the PDGA probably would like that as well at some point too. But here's the deal. We have the world championships. And Evan, let's kick it off like this. Let's talk about what we've already seen happen. And they have what is called side or field events, side events, field events is what we'll call them. And they also have tournaments that are run as C slash X tier, which means they're doubles. Okay, so it's not your standard C tier. It has to be an X tier because you have doubles event. Now, I'm posing this to you and to Ben. What do you think when a player like Calvin and Macy, they take down the doubles event? In your mind, do you feel like, congratulations, you are now doubles world champions? Like, like how do you see that when that announcement happens? Because I've seen from Innova and um, DD two different types of posts because Calvin's in of a, and it's just interesting. I'm just curious how you see it. Do you see them as world champions, doubles world champions, or do you see them as doubles victors at the side event for the world championships? Like, like, what do you think, Evan? Yeah, I'm with the second one. Uh, it, it is cool. Like I, I think it's fun that they, they put on all these events and especially the doubles. It's a, it's cool seeing uh, the different partnerships we see and kind of the longtime partners you see uh, year over year. Uh, but I, I don't I don't feel the prestige with it. I don't think it's a, a notable achievement that's going to go on their kind of player record. When you talk about Calvin Heimberg, uh, you're you're not ever going to mention this. When you talk about Macy Villadiaz, <laughs> who, who she hasn't even won an Elite Series event yet, you're still not going to talk about this. You're going to talk about her notable A-tier wins uh, and the other things she's done really well on tour. Uh, and, and that's what it comes down to to me is if this isn't talked about in that setting, like it's cool. Uh, you know, the coverage is out, you know, disc golf guy and gatekeeper, I think put out some coverage of this. I mean, there's good the content. Drive. All the, it's, it's good content to watch. It's fun to see players. I'm mean, almost like your, your typical, like, you know, practice rounds and, and skins matches. It's, it's that kind of feel to me. Yeah. And I think it's funny how you said it. And I hadn't really thought of it that way, but next time we have Calvin on the show, we can be like in 2022, side event doubles champion <laughs> calvin heimberg and it would just be fitting yeah. i'm sure he would smirk a little bit um what do you think ben you've heard that you're newer to the sport 
not like super new, but when you get to this place where you see an announcement like that, are you thinking these side events are world titles? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the side events are just side events. I would consider world title if indeed that it was like a big deal and like Paul McBeth, like a ton of players were there and wanted to win it. I wouldn't really consider it uh doubles world title because it's not like the best of the best. It's not the world. It's just like whoever was at worlds that week and wanted to, you know, play in that doubles <laughs> event, which wasn't that many. I don't okay. Think. So, so Garrett Gurthy throws um six hundred and fifty two. I'm just butchering it, it's probably right in that range. Six hundred and fifty two feet. And you see let me let me do it right now. You think I probably would have already set this all up, but I'm gonna do a little social search here for Innova Discs, and I'm going to see how they announced the fact that Garrett Gerthy um, threw the furthest at Worlds. It says, it's star team Garrett Gerthy, who just earned his third World Distance title. Now, it's such a weird thing because I think they're they're capitalizing on the fact. Like, let's get marketing out of this. But are they saying it's a World's Distance title, or is it a world record title and i know there's a difference there but you see people in the chat i mean the chat in the comments going along the lines of how is this range differently than david wiggins world record because was this course play is that why it's different and like people are no that's because in the desert it's crazy this is more controlled here and the, the people are arguing over is this the world title or not now like is this the official and my point is the way we describe it i i wish Maybe wish is a strong word. We separated these events from worlds. Like, do like we wanted to do at the All Star event. Like, do that. Like, let's have a weekend of like where this stuff happens. Yeah, doubles, all the, all the top pros, field like. events, everything. Just like the All Star events, kind of becoming. Um, and I can tell you this, and I'm not. I kind of it's a non-issue, but at the Master Worlds at the players meeting, um, they open it up to questions, and someone in the crowd was like. Like, why did you take away world titles from us from, like, side events and field events? And they're like, their ultimate response, I think it was Jeff Jaquart that said this. He said, we believe that a world title needs more than, let's say, three rounds or two rounds. You need, like, ultimately they're saying, like, you need five rounds for a world title. So if they did the doubles thing and they officially were trying to make it a world title, I could see that. I think there should be a doubles world title. That's pretty cool, right? Um, but I don't think it should be a two round of thing. And I think if we're going to do distance comps, like we should make it a bigger deal and just bigger deal. Yeah. That's my, yeah. so anyway, bigger deal, not trying to make a big deal out of this. I just wanted to talk about it. Cause I, I read those things and I hear two different things. A, a, a doubles victors at the 2022 world championships and, uh, you know, world champions of the doubles event at the world championship. So. But but hey, also if I'm if I'm Innova, I am absolutely gonna milk this yes. for what I can, absolutely. and 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 their way of wording it, I think, is kind of totally valid. Yeah, there's some ambiguity to it, uh, but they should be doing that. They should be hyping up their player who can throw a mile. Uh, absolutely, and, and so should Double G Craft Jerky. In fact, let me do this right now. It's not Wiggins. It's not Garrett Gerthy, But we're talking Double G Jerky right now, and they have a new jerky that i have yet to try because it's that hot and i don't mean spicy although it is supposedly spicy too but it's not it's it's so hot it's flying off the shelves they did a first phase rollout and it flew out the doors 
Um, I'm looking forward to trying this incredible um, Eagle. It's called Eagle McMahon's Crushed Red Chili. Now, here's the thing. If you haven't eaten yet, your mouth's about to start watering. has a similar flavor to pepperoni. Um, it's a great source of protein, low fat. It's it's The jerky is vegan, which means it's meatless, right? Fake meat, but it has a real meaty flavor. I don't know about you. I like pepperoni, and I want pepperoni with cheese and crackers, and I could see this being something I carry around the course, which is different than this brisket-styled beef jerky, right? I can see having both. Um, perfect for pizzas, wraps, snacks on the go. As I said, incredible. It was developed by Garrett Gerthy and Eagle McMahon together. Um, Eagle loves this style of jerky. He's been eating it this style for years. However, he thought there had to be a way to make it tastier. Eagle, being the vegan that he is, <laughs> I'm like just labeling him. He prepares for what he eats and he plans ahead and he thinks about what he wants to eat and where he's traveling to where he is. He thinks about where he can get the food. He wanted something better than what he was getting. He went with Double G Craft Jerky. They made something that he's very happy with. The first batch sold out in two weeks. So go over to Double G Craft Jerky. Everybody go and use the code Nick and Matt. Let Double G Craft Jerky know that you are interested in this. If you like vegan, if you like fake meat, <laughs> that sounds funny. But in all seriousness, this sounds incredible. I think I, I, I know... When I try it, I will like it. I'm yet to try it because it sold out so quickly. Thank you to Double G Craft Jerky. Evan, I don't think you're a vegan eater. But when you hear this, well, I, does it sound intriguing to you? Do you sound like you're interested in trying it out? I hope I'm not a vegan eater because that's yeah, that you don't like eat you vegan. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, I'm not a vegan, but uh, like I'm not scared of like plant based things. I mean, I think they're fascinating. You're and, scared. And really cool. And no, not at all. Uh, like having, uh, you know, I'm not going to name other brands of uh, uh, fake meat, impersonating meat. I don't know how to yeah, call it. it. Yeah, it's literally um, the, the read they I gave me. It literally says fake meat. Yeah. It is what it is. It's fake. Like they make hot dogs yeah. that are fake. They make all this stuff that's fake. Oh yeah. And you, and it's sustainable at some level. And I'm just telling you, pepperoni to me and crackers and cheese just sounds awesome to have the snack on the course. Sounds like an, a great fantastic alternative and the name crushed red chili eagle mcmahon's crushed red chili so. well my favorite part of it i have seen the packaging they got the nice beautiful flat irons of boulder colorado on the package one of the best sites in the world uh so i like it at least for that and i'm sure the flavor is amazing too all right go check it out let us know what you think thank you double g craft jerky all right um so worlds has a history we're going to kind of go back and forth with conversations and discussions and Evan's going to drop stats and we've got a lot of things lined up tonight a lot. Should Worlds go back to more rounds, Evan? So Worlds when you came into the sport and when Ben came into the sport, do you remember like has it always been 4 or 5 or what do you remember? Like for yourself I, personally. The the first World Championship I actually remember watching uh was 2017, which was actually four rounds, funny enough. Exactly. So um but yeah, so it wasn't wasn't the seven to ten round marathons that they used to be. Um but I it, it's tough. I know the players like five might even be too much for them. <laughs> I think five's a good number. Um I I usually say that other tournaments should be more. I wish more elite series were four rounds and all majors were five. 
but in the current state we have them, I think five rounds is great. It really sets it apart. Um, it's it's nice to see you know two rounds of one course, three rounds of the other, and then that's the finale is the three round course. Um, and I, I think you really get a true best winner. Um, I know we'll talk about it later. Maybe it's not the best player in the world, but it was the best player that weekend. Uh, and you definitely get that with five rounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. And I, I'm going back, and I don't know the number of uh, rounds here. You might be able to find this. Well, actually, let me see. It's linked in Wikipedia. The first world championship. Wikipedia is great. Yeah, it is. It's still used. It's still used. Um, it looks like we have six rounds plus a semi plus a finals. Um, so Nate Doss won the 2000. He won three events or world championships. But 2007 is the first one that I remember. So that is 15 years ago. And that puts me in that range. I always say like I'm like 16 years into the sport. This is the first one that I remember. And I'm like, dude, Nate Doss, like who's this? Like he already had one, but he wasn't like disc golf was not like it was today where you're like, you know who all the players are and you just follow them and social media. Like wasn't like that. And I'm not calling myself old, but it was six rounds then with a semi. So that's seven. And then you get a finals. It was eight rounds of play. And I remember him being crowned the victor there and thinking, I can't believe this kid just pulled that off. Like, <laughs> in his first event that he won world championships was 2005, and that was the the ending of the Ken Climo era. Like, not the era, but, like, he took the worlds from Ken after so many years there. And so, long story short, I enjoyed a lot more rounds. Who doesn't want more disc golf? But, But I just feel like you get to a point where the top separate themselves and then it just turns into a, a show for the top four to keep going. And it's kind of pointless. It, and, uh, and a lot of those, there were two rounds in one day. It was, it was 10 rounds over like four or five days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just a lot, a lot of toll on the body when they're not playing uh, what a 20 elite events a year, they, they might be playing more events than that and, and touring around and doing their, kind of their local ones but it just like it feels like the tour is such a grind with longer and longer courses i think the players are already exhausted going into this week they got the weekend of rest they got a few extra days to hit this five-day event um, but i think five days i think they'll be i think they'll be kind of exhausted by the end uh, and we'll want another break before we hit the playoffs <laughs> yeah they don't need more play nowadays that's a great point it, the, the tour changes it up quite a bit let me correct myself and i'll let you go i said that uh nate ended the ken climo era if you will but it was actually uh, either side of it so he won 2005 ken won 2006 and then nate won 2007 so he was able to be like i got you on both sides and that was really kind of the end of it so thanks to the chat for that i think that was i want to give the shout out to where that was due correcting what i had said oh i'll find it but anyways thank you i just wanted to go back to the the last event we had in des moines challenge where almost half the mpo field had to play two rounds on the second day because the first round was canceled and just look at how not great those scores were um you know i'm not saying that if they played two rounds in one day we would say the same thing see the same thing um but maybe that can offer a glimpse as if we had to pick these players who probably would not want to do it anyways and might even boycott it but if they were to play two rounds a day over three or four days to get up to that eight or so rounds i i think we'd be seeing worse disc golf than we do now yeah absolutely so Let's go ahead and jump towards you, Evan, giving us a random stat. I know Statmando's loaded. I'm sure you're ready to go for this long week, which we can talk about later possibly. But what's what's one random stat that maybe we can react to and talk about? Um, 
ooh, there, there's a lot to go there's with. There's a lot. Um, ooh, I, I, I want to quickly say just stats that I think you guys would know, but just want to make sure people do know. But Paul McBeth is going on nine straight years of Worlds being first or second, and Paige Pierce is going on eight straight years of Worlds being either first or second. Um, it it would be insane to see it either carry on or for those streaks to end. So those will be super exciting. I mean, Paul has had maybe his worst year of his, let's say his career, or at least the Ooh. since like his first year or so. He needs tour. bulletin board material. And, I'll send him that text with a clip of that right now. So hey, hopefully, you know, and it's not just, you know, Paul's skill, but also his skill compared to the field, maybe. Um, but I mean, Paige as well, we saw her, want that sixth title and i mean of course same with paul wants that sixth title so bad uh unfortunately both of them got it ripped away on the last hole last year that drive to get it and maybe <laughs> they are so focused on that that they're all or nothing and they'll either come in first or tenth um and if we see them come in tenth then these streaks end okay um, okay so but yeah go ahead the one of the kind of cool stat i got kind of fun little tidbit it well no i got so many more like you're saying but Absolutely. the the four most recent one-time mpo winners that was their last elite series or major win when they won worlds mm. so james conrad has not won any pdg event but has not won an elite series or major can we since <laughs> That stat, we need to pause for a second on that stat. You and me before right. the show, before the show. I mean, that's a stat right there that I feel like deserves. It it'll, it'll come up as supporting for some of our debates later as supporting information. But James did not win any event that year, last year. No event mm -hmm. last year except for World. He won yeah, World. First time since the 80s. And then he hasn't won again. Any event. Can you specify you're talking like even in his home state, nowhere. He's no wins, any tier, yeah. anywhere. The the only technical win he has was being on the All-Stars match okay. coming in first, which okay. I don't think we're going to count. We're going to count solo yeah, no. play or at least solo events. He might have he won like won for won best hair somewhere too, right? But we're not going yeah, to do those. But, but I just find that stat incredible, and that's going to come up later. I'll tease the question out there like, does a world championship actually crown the best player in the world? Or is this simply a title of I won that event? Okay, so mm -hmm. that's a good stat, Evan. Um, I cut you and, off. What else do we got? And then I was going to say Greg Barsby won in 2018. That was the last time he won an Elite Series and Major. Of course, he just won a Silver Series this year, but that's not an Elite Series or Major. Um, and then going back even further, Eric McCabe, designer of these courses uh, out in Emporia, in 2010, he won, has did not win an Elite Series of Major since then. And then go back one more year to Avery Jenkins. That was the last time he won an Elite Series of Major. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Greg Barsby, another one to bring up there. And also Paige Shue, right? Like, you look at her and mm -hmm. I, hey, when we talk here, we understand life things change. And that'll be part of our conversation. But just generally, it's an interesting thing to look at. And then you look at someone like Paul or Ricky, right? And you think, wow, they really, really capitalized on it. And they've kind of shown that they stand out from the rest. So we'll talk mm -hmm. about what would this mean for Eagle and everyone else. I think there's a lot of conversations to be had from this. Um, give us one more stat here before we go into our next segment. All right. Uh, Ricky Wysocki won DDO this year, had the huge move to Dynamic Disc. We're in Emporia, home of Dynamic Disc. He has not won a major in the last five years. Ooh. His last major win was 2017 Worlds. Uh, in the summer of 2017, although five years ago, over five years ago. Um, but he, he won DDO this year. He's in, let's say, his sponsor's hometown. 
uh, he's playing playing well besides the very last week of course we talked about Des Moines him just being off but besides that you know one ledge stone has been looking great otherwise like this it feels like things are lining up for Ricky uh, but it has been five years since he's won a major and I think that's a big weight on his shoulders and I'm curious to how that'll affect him this this week okay so in the same supporting idea as what I just kind of teased out there like does world's crown the best player the fact that Ricky hasn't won you said five years or four or five Five. five years yeah the fact that he hasn't won a major i get it but i'm we're just going to say worlds for now um does that mean he's not the best player in the world right and so you say oh james has one last year ricky has none the last five james is a better disc golfer like i guess this is where the conversation's going why do we do this why do we say the world title is it just because we arbitrarily chose and we had to that this is our super bowl like this is our event you win this and it matters just like, Hey, maybe a head to head against the Patriots and the Colts back in the day was our super bowl, but like you didn't make it to the super bowl. You didn't get the title. You didn't get the rings. Right. So like, I think that's kind of what happened here. And there's definitely a history. I mean, you go way back to Sam Ferens, who's at Innova now as a, as a, I don't know if he's a part owner or not, but he's really high up in Innova and he won at 17 years old back in 1984. So, I mean, like the world championships is a thing. And Dave Greenwell, if you know the name, he has played or participated or attended. I'm not sure the actual stat. Do you know every single world championship? He's been at every single world championship. So I don't think he's playing MPO, but he's been at every single world championship. Yeah. Well, to, to finish up the Ricky talk, yeah. uh, he's, he's been the number one player in the official uh, Statmando rankings. I, want, I think it was 50 of the last 52 weeks. Uh, it, it's an insane number. He has dominated. Paul took it after his Waco win and held it for like a week or two and then lost it um, back to Ricky. He's number one in the DG rankings. That's Steve Dodgers rankings. He's number one in the DGT points. He won uh, Statmando's player of the year last year, and he's leading for the Statmando player of the year this year. Uh, by all accounts, Ricky Waisaki is the best player in the world. Currently. Yep, but he doesn't get but announced. That brings, up, that brings <laughs> up the great point, though. Yeah, it's five years. He's only a two-time winner and only you know that sounds yeah, crazy good but for him. how good ricky is you wonder if he, he's got to be like no i should be like a four or five yeah. winner back to back too he did it back to back so had it spread out by three or four years you might even that might even be more credibility right uh mm-hmm. but there's no arguing that he's like you said maybe the best player in the world so it's just really interesting because we could announce him that way the best player in the world and they're like huh you're like i didn't say world title <laughs> i didn't say two time <laughs> i said the best player in the world like it's interesting you can earn that status but without the title so like it's just something to be thought of and people are bringing up events like hey it's just like the masters or the u.s open or the british open and it's true they're picking an event but what i love about those events is that they're permanent they're not changing they don't rotate you have a venue and it's become something special this is just a title you could have it at a world championship venue where you don't like it the players don't like all the players don't like it um I don't love that fact, right? And so we'll bring that up again later too, which is like the venue. Do we want to see it back here again in the near future? So all that being said, we've got more to talk about for sure. But before we get to these other segments, there is a new website that I just found out about and it is absolutely awesome. I'm telling you right now, if you visit and you do this right, if you're if you're at your uh, computer, uh, go ahead and punch in trydiscs.com try not like t-r-i t-r-y like i want to try them try discs or what am i try disc.com is that what i'm doing am i saying it wrong here discs.com discs yep 
Yeah. It's this. Oh, I don't know why. You're when I did it, it was saying disc. GoDaddy was trying to sell it to me. I punched in the wrong address. <laughs> I'm like, GoDaddy. I just found this website. It's awesome. GoDaddy's not now selling you, it. You got to buy up all the alternatives. So, yeah, here uh, we go. Good. So if you do what I just did right now, you're going to come across. And uh, let me see here, actually. Let's go ahead and put it up real quick. Go full screen on me, Ben. Or on the, uh, let's see. It's behind me, but let's go to the display too. Here we go. Perfect. So I don't think I have anything private on my page here. If you can look, it's 8.05 p.m. <laughs> but if you go to trydisc.com, you're going to be able to search out and compare similar discs across different manufacturers. But my favorite tool about trydisc.com that I have discovered is the fact that I can't... Why isn't it showing my cursor? I can search 170 retailers at one time put me back up on screen because i need to show how impressed i am by this <laughs> so 170 different retailers at one time i can check to see what where my disc so i want a limited edition esp comic okay that's my favorite disc of all time at this point i can go on this website and i hit retailer search and if i type in uh let me do it limited i'm doing this live everybody esp comet now here we go and hit search and it searches 170 retailers to see who is in stock like so not even just like um oh let's just do a google search and say who's carried this disc before right and so oh, oh, i hit too many buttons at one time but what it does is it shows me matt here's all the retailers that have that disc in stock who do you want to buy it from and you can click buy and it brings you to the website and you buy it this ben you brought this up earlier i told you about You'll, this website because i was stoked on it what did you say this would be good for this tool it would be good for limited edition discs that have dropped and maybe say it dropped and you missed the drop or it dropped you got the disc you really like them but they're really popular there might be one or two retailers that are still out uh that have the disc because that is possible there's a ton of retailers that <laughs> don't get as much traction um, so then you look it up, say, hey, I want another run of this, and you should be able to find it. While I was reading chat, I was kind of like playing with it a little bit, and there's a lot of cool features that, that were sick. Like, well, uh, so, so you're saying like a, a limited edition drop yeah. in the sense of like you're four hours too late and it's sold out in your favorite store. Exactly. And you punch it in, and it's going to search uh, the 170 uh, retailers at once. And let me try this again here. Let me just see. Okay, in search of disc, it's initiating the search. It's telling me it's searching. It pulls up so many different retailers that are grams, in stock. I'm pretty sure, which is cool. Oh, dude, there's so much here. So what we're going to do right now. That's uh, game changer. I'm just talking about one of the things. You can also do disc finder search. So like, hey, I like the comet, and I throw typically about 300 feet, and I am, you know, an intermediate player. And it goes, hey, if you like that, here's a list of other discs that are right in your wheelhouse, and you can click buy. And it's incredible. Uh, the fact that I don't have to Google and keep going out into the, the search engine and trying to find the one I like, it does it for you. Uh, this is genius work. We have a link inside of our YouTube description and the podcast description. If you use that, it directly ties to the Nick and Matt show so that the guy who built this knows that we're sending you there. Okay? 
Oh my goodness! Someone in the chat just put out another awesome thing. It also looks up promo. Yeah, codes. That was, I, that's what I was meant to say when I first saw it. I was like, "Wow, you literally it has a list of promo codes on whatever you want, and it tells you if they free ship or whatever." Yes. It goes, Ooh, "Hey, there's a promo nice. code. You should use this promo code." It searches for that for you too. So, what I want to do right now is the genius behind this. I'd like to bring him onto the show. Um, his name is Tyler, and he is the man behind TryDiscs.com. So let's go ahead and bring him into the show now. Tyler, how are you doing, man? Hey, how you doing, Matt? Um, there must have been a mistake. That's not me. Oh, who is this? I'm the guy who interviewed you the other day. Oh, God. <laughs> this has to be the funniest thing I've done of all time. Guys, this is real and in the moment. And this is totally cool. And we're going to roll with it. Oh, am I upside down? So what I want to do in this moment, because this is incredible that this happened. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. So let me, let me explain what happened to the world. Because this is a real moment and we have to capitalize on it. I was interviewed on a different podcast last week. Okay. And his name is Tyler. Um, and Tyler is doing a show. Give, give it to us. Disco Fever, correct? Yes, sir. Disco Fever. Okay. Yep. So he interviewed me. And I somehow got my contacts mixed up and tyler you were on the nick and matt show and i thought yes i love how you're like dude there must be a mistake i thought i had on the owner of tri disc so what we're gonna do this is still a spot for tridiscs.com what i want to do is have you do you have a computer right there with you or no uh i can get one really quick okay yeah. do this because i want this to be live and this in the is moment. awesome yeah Let's it's, go. it's incredible and i'm gonna go ahead and give them a shout out as well <laughs> this is incredible so tridisc.com and I want Tyler to try this. So Tyler interviewed me and he's like, hey, Matt, like, what did it take to get in a Nick and Matt show? All these things. And he's doing a disc golf podcast, Disco Fever. So what I want to do, I invited on. <laughs> this is so incredible. <laughs> it's actually embarrassing, but you're doing a great job. I feel more embarrassed than you. I'm glad you're on the show. I feel like, what did I do? So all of that being said, Tyler is doing a show called Disco Fever. And we were talking also about how to set up advertisements, how to get people. We were saying all this stuff after the show, like, hey, these are things you can think about. One thing I will recommend is don't invite someone on who you thought was someone else. Imagine that. It's a surprise. So welcome to the show. So what we're going to do. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was just going to say. What an opportunity. Was, what an opportunity. So Disco Fever, check them out. But I want you to try out trydiscs.com. And I want you I to. I got to pull it up right here. Okay. And so when you click on, um, for instance, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see like in search of disc finder. Okay. And in search of disc finder, you're going to able to punch in any disc you want and it's going to pull up the retailers for you. So what's your favorite disc, Tyler? Uh, the zone. Okay. So if you just punch it, I mean, you can even be more specific ESP zone, not the ESP in zone, the ESP zone. And you hit initiate search and it's going to pull up all the stores that have it in stock for you. <laughs> it's phone just fell over. <laughs> it's okay. We all do that too. I just invite random people onto the show and I call them someone else. Um, so as it's loading, right? Cause it's literally searching every retailer for you for in stock discs. And so as you're pulling this up, I'm just doing it right now. Again, everybody else can give this a try too. And it's going to say, Hey, here's where they are. And would you like to buy them? So, Hey, the chat's loving it. The fact, yeah, everyone's loving it. They think I'm <laughs> hilarious. And this is great. This is hilarious. I agree. So 
All that being said, the discount codes is definitely special and many more tools. Look up, look up disc by flight number. If you like something, you can try it and compare it to something else. So in return, as a favor to Tyler, we have trydisc.com. That's not who Tyler is here. <laughs> I, I want to get the name correct. I believe the name is Azim. Yep. Oh, you know it. How do you know it? Chat. Oh, the chat's, chat's always right. Yeah, Azim Faraz. So I'll I'll hook up Azim later. We'll get him on next week. <laughs> we'll make sure that he's happy with that. So trydisc.com. All right. Well, now the fact that you're on here, Tyler, <laughs> I wanted to do one other thing with you. You asked me on your show. You said, Matt, who are your top three? You can't pick the same top three as me. Go. Who are your top three for Worlds, Tyler? FPO, MPO. Uh, can it be same people in a different order? Okay, fine. Yeah, fine. And Okay, yeah, that's fine okay. if you want to do the same people. All right, cool. So my number one is Paul and Beth. Um, like Evan said a little while ago, he's got top two with the last nine Worlds. That's pretty ridiculous. And I am a Paul McBeth fan, so I do have him coming first. Uh, but second place, I think, is going to be Gannon Burr. A little bit of a dark horse pick, but he's having a very solid season. And third, it's a toss-up between, you know, Simon, Ricky, Eagle, all those guys. But I am going to give the nod to Eagle just because of how his performance was at the European Open. I left Eagle oh, out of my top picks, didn't I? I didn't say Eagle, if you remember. Yeah. And later, I think I it was like a shower moment. I'm like, uh, what the, how did I leave Eagle out? But the reality is he's a, he's a, as we say on the Nick and Matt show, he's a wild horse. We just don't know. We know that he's great. We know he shows up at big competitions. But I think if I was to swap, I would swap him out with Simon, who I had as a pick. We're going to bring this up later, but I don't know. I still think Simon's the wild horse. And then for FPO, who do you got? Um, you know, it's hard to take Paige Pierce out of first place, but I am going to go Kristen Tatar in first, and then I am going to go Paige in second as well. I think those are both going to be really close down the wire, maybe even hole 18. It's going to require a big putt, but in third place, I'm thinking Valerie Matahano. Okay. All right. I left her out of my top three, but I think I said she could be a wild horse. So. I am afraid to pick pages first. Can she? Yeah, I just feel like I think I said this on your show. It's like up and down. It's hard to know. Uh, okay. Well, thank you for coming on. I'm glad we were, in all seriousness, I'm glad that we were able to promo your show. I wish it didn't happen the way it did where I was talking about an ad and I'm like, and next up, Tyler. <laughs> it's like, no, this is a mistake. This is how live works, everybody. And it can be incredibly interesting sometimes. But in all seriousness, I was on his show. Go check it out. Everyone who listens to this, if you want to hear some inside scoops to things that helped bring this show about that maybe I haven't even said on the air here, go check it out. Disco Fever on all the uh, all podcast platforms, right, Tyler? Uh, just Spotify. It'll be up on Apple soon, though. Okay, Spotify. Go give Spotify all the love right now. All right, Tyler, thank you for coming on, and we will catch up another time. Appreciate it. Hey, appreciate you. All right, man. Okay, everybody. Well, hey, what, Matt, whatever I didn't happened, you, Evan? Do you, do you need more inside that scoop? Is, that is hilarious. That was the uh, best thing. No, I didn't know you were on this podcast. It's very interesting. So I'm definitely going to have to check that out. So uh, I'm glad this kind of you know mess up occurred because now I get to learn about this <laughs> and get to add another podcast to my list. Absolutely. Because, the thing that's – I'm not someone who gets embarrassed easily. The thing that embarrasses me is that I was welcoming him as who he is not, and I put 
him in that spot to say, hey, there's a mistake. But in all seriousness, what would you do? You're getting announced as, and next up, the owner of Innova Discs. You're like, what do I do? So do did I just... you think he was the owner? Is that what happened? Yes. Let me let me just specify, and I'll make this short because we don't need to talk all night about this. <laughs> I, And this is literally not even a humble brag. It's nothing. I have 80,000 like contacts that I'm texting. I have... 200 different text messages going on over the last two weeks, right? And somehow, and names are freshly new populating in my chats, and I scrolled back, and I said, oh, yeah, here's a recent conversation I had. And I literally said, like, hey, are you ready to come on the show? <laughs> and he's, he's like, like, sure. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, That's we'll line awesome. you up for the spot. It'll be, like, five minutes. <laughs> and, like, the whole, I think I was talking to Azim, like, in my head. That's what happened. So he's ready to come on. There he is, and I'm announcing him as the owner. So we will get Azim on next week, but I'm glad Tyler came on tonight. Live is an interesting beast. Okay. Whatever. It was awesome. It was awesome. I mean, things like this happen. The moment happens. I, I'm sad I had to make him be in that situation, but I'm sure. I love worked. how he didn't even, even ask questions. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll come on the show. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you have a podcast, yeah. if I have a podcast and like foundations like, hey, you want to come on? I'm like, definitely. So that's cool. I'm glad. I wouldn't change anything about it. I'm glad it happened. Thanks, Tyler, for being a good sport, too. All right. Um, so we have a little bit of time, about 15 minutes until Valerie Jenkins. And someone asked, why do we say Valerie Jenkins? That's like if you have like an actress name, right, in the, the world of acting and you get married, you keep that name. That's how people know you. Uh, the same thing in most sports, if you're a very large, well-known uh, disc, disc golfer or professional athlete, you do that. So that's what she's chosen uh, to keep it that way. And so that's how we recognize her. But then we also have Nate Dawson, about 15 minutes or so to get their inside scoop. All right. Um, so let's go ahead and break this, this topic down just a little bit more. Does Worlds, so this is where we're actually solidifying it. Does Worlds actually crown the best players in the world? Okay. So we kind of teased around and we're like, ah, good point. Is this that? I feel like I can immediately say maybe. Just like any event. Like, to me, I wanted to just say no. As in, like, there's nothing special about five rounds at any course that say this is the best player. Just like any tournament, it's the best player on that tournament. Absolutely, that's how you determine a winner. But best player in the world, I think the only way you can say that is if you have the venue that tests most of the disciplines of a disc golfer. Me personally, I look at DDO, I look at this venue, uh, Emporia Country Club and Jones, and I say, I don't think it tests every discipline, meaning more tightly wooded. Um, that's what I think. I think you need a little bit of both. Uh, so to me, I would say Worlds doesn't necessarily do that. I think if you have the right venue, and this is an interesting conversation because I feel like the Smuggler's Notch um, Worlds 2018 did a very good job. Fox Run and Brewster Ridge do an incredible job at balancing the courses, the venues, two back and forth. But then you look at it and you say, Greg Barsby, was he the best in the world at that time? And if so, was it just in that moment? Because it's an interesting conversation. He's been around a long time, but as you said, hasn't won a lot since. So what do you think? Does Worlds crown the best player in the world, Evan? 
Well, I want to answer your question by kind of opening up a slightly different topic, but it's related, I promise. But if you were to say uh, a a way to say who's the best player, would you rather say who won Worlds or who was, let's say, the Disc Golf Pro Tour points winner? So at the end of the season, who had the most points? Um, Like that's another way to look at it too. Would that person be the best player in the world? Because over a whole season – over a variety of courses, over a variety of different weather conditions too. Because what if it was wet or rainy all all week in Emporia? Like, I mean, it's gonna be like what ninety five degrees and humid there. Um, it may be a touch of wind, not as windy as DDO was. So, like you're saying, is it's it's open, but it's also just one weather condition. Like maybe someone's really good at playing at the rain, and they get no chance at doing that here. Uh, I, there's uh, all different variety variables you could get into. Okay. But over a course of a season, I think that would, that would be really the best way to get the best player. But to answer your question, though, sorry to rein it in, um, I I do think it's good enough to crown someone as the best player that weekend, and it's a valid way to say you're the world champion for the rest of the for the rest of the year. You might not be the best player. James Conrad wasn't the best player last year. It was his only win. And even if he won other events, he wasn't the best player. Um, There is definitely an argument at the top, but James Conrad wasn't included. Um, Katrina Allen, definitely in the argument between her and Paige Pierce. It was kind of a two-horse race with Tatar kind of around. But still, it wasn't 100% Katrina Allen's the best player either. Um, But I still think it's a super valid way to say you're the world champion for the year. I don't think it takes anything in a way. It's, it's a valuable achievement. I mean, just because DDO is going to, or sorry, excuse me, uh, just because Worlds is going to be at the courses we know as the DDO now uh, in Emporia, I don't think takes away from a world champion at all. It just like any other tournament, just like Smugs was uh, at at, uh, Smuggler's Notch with Greg Barsby winning, he wasn't the best player and it tested everything just because it's only testing more of one dimensional. I don't think it takes away from the world champion, but (laughs) I'm kind of going all different places, (laughs) answering multiple different questions. You're you're like, it could go here. It could go here, but it could go here. Yeah. Like, I guess it's just an interesting thing that our sport has done. I think it's just an interesting thing that our sport has done. Okay. So, mm-hmm. uh, that being said, I think we, we could talk about it a little bit more, but you know what? I feel like, and maybe we're a little early here, but if you, can you guys hear us right now out in the green room, raise your hand. I'll let you know. Okay, cool. So what I'm going to do, we're a little bit early, but if you're ready to go, we'll bring in, give us a thumbs up. Okay, cool. Let's do this. You're going to have to go into the, uh, either full screen or, or, um, interview mode here. We should probably be able to fit them both in the interview. Yep. Okay, interview mode. cool. Let's bring them in. Nate Doss, everybody, Valerie Jenkins. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. How are you guys doing? Doing real good. Doing great. Yeah. Doing great. Awesome. Please so yeah, perfect. There you go. We got you both in the shot. You guys can get close. You guys know each other pretty well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so our conversation, I just thought, I mean, it's a little bit early, but I was like, our conversation that was happening, I'm like, there's seven world titles sitting here in our green room. We need to include them in this. So first of all, congratulations on your success in the sport and what you are doing currently. Absolutely phenomenal. I love it. I was just saying before you came on, Nate, you are the first world champion that I remember being crowned. I was, that was back, I think 2007 for me. 
I was just wow. in the sport for about a year or so, and that's the one I remember. And I'm like, who's this kid? I like, you know, like there wasn't the same social media following and all everything behind it. And it was just like, I remember like that guy is good, man. So I really appreciate the fact that you're on the show and same for you, Valerie. I followed you and your family, the first disc golf family, you know what I mean? And I've been able to meet uh, Avery a few times. And one day I, I, maybe I have, I just, I probably was at Maple Hill and I said, hi, Valerie, but long story short, you both are awesome in the sport. And we wanted to bring you in tonight to get your opinion on what is happening on the floor right now, what is going to be happening. And to start it out, just tell us the world champion title. What does it mean to you? And I'll, I'll start with you, Valerie. You have four of them and you have the most recent title win. Like what does a world title mean to you? What did it do for your career? I mean, it, it's everything in a disc golf professional life. I mean, it's the biggest accomplishment you can have. It's, you know, you can push away, you know, whatever A tier, you know, whatever C tier, B tier, elite series. Nobody's going to even care about those once you win a world title. And so that's just something that'll carry with you. And anybody outside the sport, that's what they can kind of recognize or, you know, appreciate a world title. You know, you're not going to say it. Well, I was the Squirrel Open champion back in 2004. <laughs> Some you know, people like, do say that, though. Yeah. Let's just be fair. <laughs> it happened. I mean, Squirrel Open. It was a tough tournament. It's a good win. That's a big win. That's but a big win. A lot of squirrels. That's the one that uh, anybody outside the sport so, can recognize and appreciate. Yeah, and so you yeah. came into this conversation. We were talking about, um, and maybe you heard it. Maybe you were just, just barely getting in, but we said, um, does the world championship, and this is not to literally argue with you guys about your title, but do you think that the world championship actually crowns the best player in the world or is it the, they get the world title? Like what's your perspective on that? Well, I, I can take that one. I mean, I guess the question would be, does the NBA championship crown the best basketball team? That is is right then, right there, right now. We know mm. that's not the truth. Does the Masters mm -hmm. Championship crown the best golfer in golf or the person that played best that week? That's always a conversation that you can have about anything. Mm. You know, uh, is it the best driver who wins the Daytona 500? Ne sometimes it necessarily doesn't, but that's what sports are all about. Mm. You put the best players on the best courses and you let them go at each other. And we all know it's not that much different from uh, two weeks ago in Des Moines. It's, it's still the same players playing disc golf, but the reality is it's what's on the line, the stakes that are on the line. A basketball game in a preseason is the same as the game seven in the NBA championship, but it's what it's for. And that's what makes it that Testament, that challenge. When you get up in this case, it's Saturday morning, to go out and try to win a world title, it's unlike anything you've ever done before in your life. You can't compare it to anything. You can't compare it to last week or the week before or the Squirrel Open. You can't compare <laughs> it to anything. It is, it is truly the biggest test that you as an athlete in the sport of disc golf will go through ever. It is the highest test, and everybody out there wants it. And if they're even close, James Conrad's a perfect example. He is going to grasp it. Now, of course, it was very insanely lucky and, and what an incredible <laughs> throw it was. Yes, I mean, literally yes. the holy shot. But that, 
is what the world championship is all about. And I don't discount the conversation. Does it crown the best player or the best player that week or whatever? But that's right. what it's all about, giving yourself the opportunity. Players that aren't ready to win, they don't. There you the go. The ones that do win are the ones that have believe it and have put in the work. That's how it goes every single time. Absolutely. And I guess that was my point earlier, too. And I think, again, might have been right before you got on. I said maybe. The answer is maybe. They could be the best. And the fact that they did, it means that they could be. Um, it's hard to know, as you said. But they did win the event. And as you said, and that's the voice of reason, as you mentioned. And I think Evan made a good point. Evan from Stat Mando's in here as well. And he said, um, Matt, like, let's look at like pro tour finale points. Like the people who've earned the most points, maybe you could go and say those are the best players in the world, right? Like you could say that more confidently, but the world title changes the disc golf career, as you said. And I think that's something I'd like to hone in on a little bit more. You said this is the biggest test that they are going to be looking at uh, right now. It's the evening before, the eve before. Uh, you've been here before, Valerie and Nate. What were you thinking about the eve before? Were you just trying to relax? What What was going on? What was going through your minds? Do you remember? You have to think back. Uh, uh, Val Valerie's, yeah, I think you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> it, so the last time we were here in Emporia, 2016, uh, it was a week of extreme heat warnings. Yep. And so we were in a really interesting mind frame of, I mean, there's so many events going on. There's so much to do in the evening. But Nate and I were on this very strict regimen. I mean, we were so focused on being prepared for that round that we would lay low all afternoon to save up energy. I mean, blinds shut, AC cranked. We had the Summer Olympics That's on. That's right, it was the Olympics. Yeah. And we just rested our bodies until we had to perform. I mean, they were literally saying, do not leave the house. It is too hot. It's dangerous. And our tea times were straight in the middle of the day. I mean, the sun at its highest, it at its hottest. And so we prepared ourselves to get ready for those rounds. And then after the rounds happened, we didn't go out and do all the fun partying. We came back to the hotel, had a good dinner. We were able to cook in the room and just relax. And yeah. so I think that was a really huge thing because we were focused on what we needed to do and we didn't. It, it was again the time before social media really mm -hmm. came into effect or there's too many uh you know we don't have interviews after the round like they do mm. these days but mm -hmm. we just got to focus on what we were doing and how we were playing and and made sure our bodies were up to it and so yeah yeah that was 2016 at least yeah and i mean obviously we're we're talking to a four-time world champion i think i think really for even i think it depends on if you've been there or you haven't and that's one of the reasons why people who win the worlds for their first time, the second, third, and fourth become, I think, a little bit easier, although everyone is a true test, because your mind's not worried about, well, this is going to be the year, and I'm going to do it. So you can really just think about where you need to put yourself, yourself and your mind and your body and everything. You've already done the preparation. The preparation is a given. You're going to go out and practice, and you're going to throw the extra shots, and you're going to go the extra mile, but it's can you just keep that mindset of, I need to continue to give myself a chance. I need to be patient. I can't win it tomorrow, but I certainly can lose it. Let's get the first round in the books. Let's make some good shots. Let's make some good punts. And then the momentum, then it starts to really go. And a lot of times, if you, Statmando, you look at players that get themselves in there early, 
Yeah, some fall off, but typically our winner comes out of people who have led within the first two rounds. So you really want to put yourself in that position. So I think the mindset is let's not go out and lose it, but let's not go out and win it. Let's make some good shots. It's a four-round, five-round tournament, and, um, you know, you can't rush time. It's still going to go second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. So you just you can't you can't get there too fast. Interesting. And I'm going to segue off of what you just said about the rounds, the amount of rounds. We were having a discussion around, hey, did we like it before? And Evan's like, hey, the first one I remember was only four rounds. And there was that period of time where it went to four. The first one I remember was with you. And technically there was six. But I think if you count like semi and finals, there might have been eight. You know, you might have had to play eight. Yeah. Does that sound about seven and a half? Okay. Yes. Seven and a half coming up. The 05 Worlds was nine and a half rounds. And if you look at Ken Climos, all I believe all 12 of his world titles, maybe minus the one in Augusta, was nine and a half rounds. But to be honest, it was a it was different courses. Different courses. We're looking at Jones. True. Right behind us right here is the country club. Right. And it's a beautiful evening here in, in Emporia. Looks nice beautiful. and quiet. Yeah. Calm before the storm, right. I guess is what we can say. But uh it was different. We just walked Jones with Avery Jenkins, nine, uh, you know, oh nine world champ. He was practicing. He's playing in the tournament for, I believe, his 24th straight yeah. world championship, awesome. which is pretty freaking cool. And that course is the combination of the distance of that one course would have equaled about maybe a course we would have played in the mid-90s into the early 2000s. So the test is still the same even though we don't look at the rounds, I think that the round numbers aren't the same. And certainly players back in those days would have argued that. Right. And again, that's a sports thing. Generations are always going to argue that theirs was the best. So, um, well, either way, it's a, it's a big challenge. Yeah. So, I mean, to both of you, I guess that's kind of where my question was going to go is like, does more rounds lend itself to different players? Like, is that, is that partly why we see Paul McBeth rising at a, a, a world championship where he plays better on average over more rounds than the other players? I mean, if we go back and I don't know fully the history here, but Ken Climo and we reduced the round play to much fewer where there are times where he would have lost if we had said it was four rounds. I don't, I don't know those stats. Maybe Statmando can dig in for us there, but like, do you, are you happy with five rounds? I guess is what I'm getting to. Are you happy with five? Do you feel like that? What do you think uh, Valerie for the FPO? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. I mean, to have, you are testing your endurance, you're testing, uh, the, you're getting, at least on this tournament, you're going to be able to play both courses a couple times and that can really round things out. Uh, I think back when we were playing those nine and a half rounds, it was so much about endurance. I mean, you were just exhausted. I remember by the end of the week, no matter if you were touring, touring player and you're playing every weekend like it was still a lot of golf yeah so i feel like this is a really good layout i think it gives you enough rounds to i mean how many times have you seen the one round one winner you know some random Mm -hmm. name that you've never heard of Mm -hmm. popping out a great round but the more rounds that you get in yeah you're gonna see the cream rise to the top you're gonna see our best players you know find their way up and and get redemption on on these courses and on these holes so yeah, I think it's a good good amount of golf. Yeah, I, I, I key in on that last combination of words, which is the cream rises to the top. Well, 
that's really always the case. I, it doesn't really matter. And yeah, we could sit and argue about, well, well, Climo, yeah, it was it a four round tournament. Would he have won as many? Maybe not as many, but Climo still would have been a factor. He had the champion mindset. Yeah, he would have done it faster. He would have just <laughs> done it quicker. When you have time, you just, just got to be right there. You pace you it out. He's, right playing, he's playing the game that he's been asked to play. Yeah. And he, he's doing it as best as any. Great point. If you yeah. said, hey, Paul McBeth, this World Championship's two rounds, Paul would come <laughs> right out off the True. first tee True. and be just slamming it in there. It would yeah. be McBeast mode from the, from the get-go. He knows he has Great to points. pace himself because he has to finish hole 18 like he started hole one five days earlier on the first round. So, you know, 18 on the, on the championship hole there on the final round. So I, I think you, you could sit, I think we are in about the perfect kind of zone for the number of rounds. A, a really good tour event is three rounds of even the playoffs for the disc golf pro tour are four rounds. And then the world championship is five rounds. And uh, I, I think that, I think we've hit that proper number to where the fans at home get all the golf that they could ever want. Yeah. And, and the players are still at their best. The ones that have prepared properly come the final round. I agree. You've, uh, this is why we brought you on, but I feel like what you're saying is right. I love the insight. I'll just leave it at that. Um, well, let me just drop go in a ahead, few stats Evan. on the sitting in the background about. today. Wait, what do you got? Evan? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Well, on, real Evan. quick. If, if, uh, from all of Climo's worlds, if there were only four rounds, and of course there's all the uh, variables of if he would have played harder knowing it was only four rounds, he would <laughs> only have six world titles. Um, okay. Five of them he got anyways. One of them he was actually finished fifth. Uh, I think that was 89, but he was leading after four. Gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, it drops from 12 to six. It's and... not fair. This is to Nate's point, though. It's the game that he was given, which was this is how Ex you pace it out. But I exactly. love the stat. It is interesting. Just, just for context, yeah. that's all exactly. it is. And, and the leader after round one who goes on to win Worlds in FPO since 2010, it has happened only three times, in MPO only twice, and one of them was a tie after round one. Well, um, let me ask you this question, Evan. How yeah. many of the world champions started first round outside the top 10? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, all right. Back to the background, Evan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and you could even maybe extend that out to the top 15, but either way, top 10 or 15. All right. I, I think that number would be quite low. Personally, that would yeah. be interesting. Yeah. So look that up, Evan. If you get it, just cut me off. But yep. Um, uh, let me ask this. Right Evan now. told me not to ask you this question, but I'm not afraid to. Do you guys have any favorite? Do you guys have any favorite players? Like, and do you keep it to yourself, or do you secretly inside root for them? I, I I'll say this: the job of being in the media, uh, we take serious, and right. uh, you have to you have to be very um, neutral. I guess is the right word. Um, and I, I I'll say this for me: I think Val agrees with it. We're all about disc golf, right? That's why we're here. That's why we're sitting in this table right now. That's why we've done all this work. We want to see disc golf succeed. We have friends. It's a surprise, I know, but we have a <laughs> we couple have of friends, friends. That, uh, that we certainly root for. Um, and there's people that we really would love to see win their first world title or second or third or fourth or sixth, maybe. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I personally just root for disc golf. I root for good play. And I'm going to sit here and call it like I see it. But at the end of the day, I commentate. In, I try to be as positive as I can, give right. the honest outlook 
for who we're watching at that moment, regardless of how I feel, if they're my best friend or my worst enemy, which <laughs> that doesn't really exist. But yeah. I'm just saying I try to be very neutral. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're saying, I, we want to see the best golf. Yeah. And I think that every story, regardless of yeah how many world titles they've won or if it's their first attempt, every story, you know, it's something we can tell. It's always an incredible story to follow and you get compassionate because we've been there and we know how hard it is to fight for these titles, to stand over a putt. And even if you've won a hundred tournaments before that, just how nerve wracking that is. And it's only something that you have to be in those situations to know how it feels. And I feel like Nate and I, we go through these emotions of these players. And so I think seeing anybody win a world title, you know, it's another notch on the belt or it's a life-changing moment. Yeah, so, and, and Valerie, you've, I believe you've said it, you've been brought to tears during commentary. And I believe, and Nate, how about you? Have you ever been brought to tears during commentary? I I, <laughs> yeah. I was I was brought to tears just, I think, 10 days ago. Okay. I mean, the Robert Burridge, Simon Lazat playoff, I mean, it literally brought me to tears. I Terry can attest to it. What we saw that day, in my opinion, was probably the best day at disc golf we've had all season long. I mean, what Eagle McMahon did in the, at the European Open was incredible. And I was actually brought to tears that day, too. It's all because of their reaction. Mm-hmm. It's the way they react because we know those moments. You know, we, we've been there. We've, we've had good things and we've had bad things. And I, that, that will always bring me to tears because it brings me back to those times when I was crying in the car because I didn't win or the times when I was celebrating and hugging my friends and family um, when I did. So there's always that emotion that comes out. Mm. Yeah. I, I was just thinking, cause you were talking about, you've been there and you know, it, and you're saying, you know, and I still think you have favorite players. So that's okay. You don't have to tell us that. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that's we interesting. We yeah, we do. We do. It's interesting. <laughs> and I think you guys do a great job at balancing that as professionals that you are. And I, I really enjoy it. Um, Evan, you, you figured that out yet? Yeah, so I, I I'm not too sure if Nate was tossing me a softball question or not. But when you won uh, 2005 Worlds, you were 23rd place after round one okay. uh, before going on to win. You're only Ooh, five strokes you know back. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm digging no, up some memories I, I, now. Evan's a snap man. Yeah. I want to know these stats. Look, yeah, and we so, work with Evan. Evan does right, a great exactly. job, and everybody on Snap Mando helps us in the booth. I don't necessarily know these things. I just, in my mind, I always remember things like, yeah, that guy was, he was in it all the week. He maybe wasn't leading until the end. Yeah. You know, the 2016, her fourth world title, I don't think she was even leading until maybe five holes left in the tournament. Right. So, but she was in it. Yeah. You know, so that's. So that was 2005. What else, Evan? Anything else? Uh, yeah, Eric McCabe was in 22nd, although he was only four strokes back. There was a few other cases where an MPO player was five strokes back. Uh, the only one more than that, you have to go all the way back to 1984, Whoa. when Sam Ferentz was only in 18th place, but was eight strokes back ah. before he goes on to win. Wow. Okay. Um, but on the FPO side, just a couple of years back in 2019, Paige Pierce was in a ninth place after round one, eight strokes back. She fights all the way back to, of course, win. Um, and the only time an FPO player ever was outside the top 10 after round one, that is, uh, was Paige Pierce in 11th in 2015 Worlds. Uh, she was six strokes behind the leader and goes on to win. 
So I guess we could, cool. and th that is b brilliant. Thank yeah. you, Evan. Uh, I would just say. Thank you, and we will credit you <laughs> after <laughs> round one. 100%. I'll, I'll package this all up for you I, guys I guarantee tomorrow. we're going to yeah. say that. I'm going to go, look, nobody has won more than eight strokes back. Yeah. And we got to go to 84 for that with Sammy Ferentz. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think more importantly, they're in it. They're in it. Yeah. You know, disc golf is a game that's very difficult to come back from behind. We don't see very many winners off the chase card. We don't, we almost, it's almost never happened from the third card. So you got to be in it to win it come as you get closer to the final rounds, of course. That being said, this is another segue. It seems to me as if every year it's more of a up for grabs. The who's going to win it every year there becomes more names more names and more names and so you're saying like hey we rarely see a chase card victory accurate you say almost never third i don't know what we'd have to go back to find that but is this year the most up for grabs year we've ever had as far as competition in the field both fpo and mpo i mean it just seems like it would happen every year this way but i mean when you look at it aren't there names down to 25th place that you say oh they could win it they could Robert Burridge. I mean, <laughs> Des Moines. I mean, right. the thing is, like, do you see Adding that? The list. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah, this the largest the up list. for grabs year you probably can imagine? I mean, it's hard to say without stats, I guess. I, mean, I would say so for the FBO division, uh, just for the, the fact that we're seeing more players win big tournaments. We're seeing right. that list of players grow. And so I, I talk about it a lot, but, like, you have to know what it feels like to win, to continue to win. You know, it's the hardest to get your big title. You know, Missy Gannon fighting so hard. And then once she got Des Moines last year, I mean, then it became easier. Mm -hmm. She knew, you know, what exactly it takes and, you know, how to step up to that occasion. And yeah, that's what I, I feel like FPO division. There are a lot of potential winners Absolutely. just because they know what it takes yeah no question about it I, I would say i fully expect it to be a good battle on both the, the men's and the women's side and I, I would have to agree i mean I, I we've gone through a lot of years and most you know we were playing most of those years but it's it, it, every world's it always felt like boy there's a lot of guys that can win this like okay. this guy's been playing good and that guy's been playing good but it, it eventually always comes down to a name that you you usually expect I would say we're just a few hours away from things getting kicked <laughs> off. And I would have to say, for the record, that this is probably the most wide open world championship that we've ever played in, for sure. Awesome. Or that we've ever been a part of. Like wide open of competition ready to well, win? Or wide open in joke. the course? <laughs> I actually didn't know. I hit several trees just <laughs> throwing a couple shots with Avery today. Yeah. Oh, nothing in the water. The no, nothing the, in the water. The fan and he hit a black ace. Oh, okay. The <laughs> yeah, I, I black ace hole 12 uh, 11. Uh, or 11, 11. Uh, at Jones Supreme. <laughs> I nailed the FPO basket. I just dead center, man. It was awesome. It was awesome. I was just going to say this, this doesn't happen all the time, but the fan in me is like, I would love to get it around with both you and uh, Nate, Valerie and Nate. And I'm like, okay, we got to make this happen sometime. And there's another player. World, world's next year, man. Come on up. Come to Vermont. Right. Oh, we should be in Vermont. Oh, that's next right. Year. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'd love yeah. to make that happen. Sometimes we get these connections. I would love to make that happen. Um, so I think you have experience to say this, but again, I'm interested in your perspective of like how the disc golf has changed meaning do you feel like you were a few years too early for your world titles to where you could have capitalized in such a massive way three world titles if you did that uh let's just say 2015 on 
you you might be the next multi-millionaire of contract, right? And I mean, do you feel that way at all? And then I have a follow-up to that, but I'm just curious. Um, absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. I, when I started playing disc golf, I was, you know, five and a half years old, six years old, just, you know, a few years in, I, I grew up in Santa Cruz, California. We had the master's cup, you know, Ken Klimos, Scott Stokely, the best players in the world. They came through and played and, and I only had dreams. Um, it wasn't about the money. It was about the, uh, the competition, the taking home titles, the bringing home trophies, that's what it was about for me. And when I turned pro um, in 1999, right after I won the Junior World Championships, actually just up the road in Kansas City, I, I said to myself, I just want to leave the game of disc golf better than I found it. And if that was my only goal, then I did it exactly the way that I set out to do it. It was better when we left than when we started. And by doing what we're doing now, we're helping that. We're helping that continue on. We have that opportunity to do it. We're going to do it. And I would not change it for the world, even if you offer me a zillion billion dollars, because I know that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Obviously, we'd all want we'd all want Elon money. But <laughs> at the end of the day, it's about the memories and it's about the it, I, I cannot say this enough. It's not about the destination. It's about the road. And that's what we all will always remember. And I wouldn't trade it for all the money in the world. Why does it, why does it feel like I'm watching live disc golf right now and listening to Nate commentary? <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. It's like, it I'm tearing up. Oh, this has been Kenny. Our, it's just, this is our intern producer. He's beautiful. A, he's a okay. So Valerie, but, yeah, I'm sure, I mean, you could contradict him. You're your own person. What do you think? I mean, do you feel uh, like you, no, you, I would, you won I fairly would. recently. When was your last win? 2016? For worlds, yeah, like, for world yeah. champions. So I mean, that's yeah. that's in this. He was asking about worlds yeah. that I went up too early. Yeah. Uh, specifically. Worlds, yes. Uh, I mean, maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd like to win this yeah. one. Don't get me True. wrong. But... Okay, okay. <laughs> but like, maybe I, you could. You're not the first person. You're probably not the last person to ask us this question. Yeah. But when I look back on it, and you know, just you know, a couple weeks back of seeing all the players out in Europe and to remember those times where it was just a very small group of us even having the opportunity to go and play in Europe and go over to Sweden and Finland and Norway and just the experiences we got because we were only just a few players. I mean, it was just me, you, my brother, Avery, Carrie Berlager, Feldberg, and Climo. Like that was our group. And these were the only Americans coming over. And at that time, we were the best players in the world. Mm -hmm. So you kind of got this like hometown treatment and world champion treatment all at the same time. And so now things are a little more spread out. Mm. I mean, it's crazy. The crowds they see, all the things that they have to put up with being superstars over there. And we kind of helped pave that way or we got that first opportunity. So like you're saying, the memories that we created and the brewery that we have. I yeah. Mean, yes. The business we have now. It's amazing. You know, it's, and it, it's not our out of pocket. I mean, it, the brewery devil is a, a culmination of all of a the, of yeah, all the people supporting, mm. uh, tables, chairs, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. making donations to help with the, with a GoFundMe way back in the day. Yep. So we are 
reaping the benefits of Great. what we were able to do early in the sport. It is disc so golf it's, funded, it's right? Cool. It's disc golf funded and you're yeah. enjoying what you're doing. I've heard plenty of interviews about that and I think it's fantastic. I wasn't going to ask so much like, Hey, do you wish you were back in disc golf as much as I'm like, dude, you could have had the millions, <laughs> but yeah. But, but that being said, this is an interesting time in that players are literally negotiating million dollar contracts and you see players like Ricky, you see players like uh, Kona, you see players like, uh, you can name Tr Kristen Tatar, um, Paul Macbeth, I'm starting, Chris Dickerson, you're starting to hear these contracts come out. But then, and I'm not going to have you comment specifically on a player here, I know you try to be pretty down the neutral, down the middle here, but like James Conrad wins, and I guarantee he's benefited and he's reaping the benefits of a world title. He didn't win before that in that season at all. He didn't win any events, not even locals, not even small events since then in that event. My question is, it's kind of twofold. What does it take to capitalize on a world victory? Because I feel like, again, like a Paige Shoe, for instance, she wins, Greg Barsby wins. Greg Barsby, longtime player. I'm sure you know him well. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, fantastic guy. I, I've That was one of my most fun guys to hang out with when you'd come around on tour. Like, just a great guy. But... He wins, and you're like, everybody that knew his history was so happy for him. Excellent. You deserved it. You earned it. But you look at the way some players are capitalizing on their big wins, and you're looking at how others are, and you're going, man, what is the difference? So I think my question to you with that premise, what does a player have to do once they win the world championship this week? Let's say it's a new player, brand new. Is it just luck? They're like, hey, you're brandable, you're marketable? Or is it like, what, what do they do? Do they negotiate right away? Like, where would you be with that? Yeah, well. It's a big question. It, no, it, it, <laughs> it is. And obviously, you know, we could go on about all this all day. Here's the angle I'll take. Okay. Becoming the world champion is a gift and a curse. Okay. It is a burden unlike any other in our sport. And when you become the world champion, you now carry the torch for a year and James Conrad, while he has made financially, whatever he's met, we don't know right. that number. Absolutely. It's not public. He has carried the torch as good as any world champion I've ever seen. Not only because he was the world champion, but because of the way he won taking the sixth title away from Paul, stealing it away with that Holy shot, but also going to that playoff and executing in the way that he did. Now he had a year's worth of time to represent disc golf, you are now the world champion everywhere you go. And how you handle that, I think, tells the story. Um, and James Conrad has done that tremendously well. Greg Barsby has done that tremendously well. Greg, when, when, when Greg and I first met, you know, we were, were the same age. And we played a lot together. Greg got to, to, uh, to see me win the world championship and see how I handled it. And then when he won in 2018, he handled it as good as any other champion. When you start to go look about taking advantage, I think the number one thing you have to remember is that you carry a torch. You carry a torch that is saying, disc golf, here we go. Let's do this. I'm the world champion. I'm going to lead by example. And I think that's the most important thing. Okay. If somebody won the world championship and turned around the next day and just was not, didn't care and wasn't a part of it, then so be it. The money is not made at the world's necessarily – it's made in the in the depth of your career. And all those players you talked about that have taken 
away millions or hundreds of thousands have earned it for the most part with the, with the overall, you know, extension of their career. Great point. And, and, um, you know, sometimes there is investment in potential and that is totally valid. That is totally valid. And I think if you're a company right now in disc golf, you have to invest in the young talent in our game because they are the future. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that might cost you a little more than others, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like just to throw out one name here, because this was just kind of the premise in my head. I feel like Eagle McMahon, if he wins this year, and this is great. This is to your supporting of what you were saying. His career has had a pretty good depth to this point that if he wins, he is primed. Like he is primed to take advantage of that world title in a way where he can lead with the torch, as you're saying, which I loved that take. That's I loved how you brought it as a a burden and an honor and a privilege. Um, But I think he's primed. And I'd say, man, someone like him or Simon or, or there's players like that where you would just see it go. And then you think to yourself and. And this is just me on my podcast talk show looking at the interesting things like Greg. I love Greg. But I was like, where you don't see that continued explosion. It was almost as if it was a, an interesting time for him and Paige Shue. And again, I, I just list off names that are coming to my head. But I think someone like Eagle, it could be fantastic explosion. And I just found that as an interesting talking point. I appreciate your perspective on that. Well, I'm a, I am interested in Val's perspective. I mean, how do you feel do about it. that as far as trying to take advantage. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're asking about is the taking advantage in the marketing and what you can make off of that. And I feel like that really comes down to whoever's supporting you and the sponsors that supporting your efforts and your titles and, and making sure that they can help lift you up because they're selling the products with your name on it. And so, you know, Look at the players that maybe didn't have that full experience, but Eagle, like you mentioned, he's already had the signature discs and the titles and won the big events. And so it's all built up, you know, a couple more huge wins or a world championship title. He has all that behind him and, and great support system too. I'm glad you brought that up because I had it down as a question to ask you. How did you feel when Fierce dropped and your voice was heard in that way that it was on Fierce? And I'm not going to fully give it away to everybody, but I thought that was impactful for a lot of reasons, but I want you to share yours when that, then that feature played, how did you feel? Uh, well, I, that was the second part of a, an interview. I actually gave an entire full day interview before that. The day before. The day before. Yeah. And Paige goes, did you ask her about this? Mm. And Wilson goes, no, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. And so I came back for a, a full interview to cover my sponsorship and my world titles and why I didn't get a signature disc and equality in the sport. But knowing that this is a documentary about Paige, mm. I'm going, eh, <laughs> uh, this is a stretch. Like we're following her life. How is that? But she fit wanted in? it. She wanted it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she asked for it. And so I gave, uh, after the interview, I was like, Nate, I, I said it all. Yeah. I said the true story of what the heck went on after all these years. And and then my switch to Discraft and how supportive they were mm-hmm. of me and the women's field and all that. And so watching the documentary and n- just hearing the words as it transitioned mm-hmm. to that moment of... We looked at each other. <laughs> And I go, oh, 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 I think it's in here. Here we go. I mean, 
incredible. And then to okay. hear Des Redding be interviewed at the same time and to hear her input and the story that she went through. I mean, somebody has to fight for that next generation. And I am so happy to see that everybody is prospering at pro- prosperous. Yeah. Prosperous? It's yeah. working. Like, it's working. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know uh, me with the words, pal. <laughs> see, obviously, I don't know. <laughs> is it prosper? Uh, so, I think it's prosper. Yeah. I don't know. Prosper- I, we're both yeah. stumbling. Live on long and prosper. Anyway. But, you know, the, like now the generations are, you know, they're getting the contracts. Yeah. Sell- These yeah. manufacturers are yeah. selling discs with women's names on it. And I hate that it, I had to go through it, but I wanted it to stop. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous that I had to win four world titles to make that happen. And so it's awesome to see. And I'm glad she put it in there because it does tell the story of how successful she is and the support that she did get from Discraft at the end of it. 100%. Yeah. And so I'm asking these questions and it's just kept coming to my forefront. I'm like, we're asking about how worlds affects you, how worlds changes you, how worlds you can, you know, benefit off of it. And and then I'm yeah. thinking, but Val just said that there was a lot of things that she wished happened after Worlds and wished happened. But the way I'm hearing you say it, correct me if I'm wrong, is you feel like you didn't want that role, but you're happy that you were able to do that for the future of this golf. Does that sound correct? Yeah, okay. exactly. And I had to, when I left Innova, I had to tell the story of why I left and the reason I left. It wasn't to go to another disc sponsor. It was because of the way I was treated right. at the time and the way that they made me feel as a female athlete and the things that they said to me. And so uh, I, I felt like it was important mm-hmm. to make that known. And then hopefully it didn't happen to another player on that team. Mm-hmm. So um, this, I do not mean to put anybody on the spot, but has Innova reached out to you after this documentary released or at any point following that, that interview? Okay. No, no. Okay. Yeah. And now it's a year's past. I understand. I mean, I've already told my whole story yeah. but this is like yeah the full having it out there and yeah. yeah i'm glad that people know and people can support the certain companies and just the fact that this is the history of our sport you know everything has to grow and if something's wrong you should speak up and that's the only way things are going to get better and yeah. so i'm glad it is getting better absolutely and i feel like i remember last year probably following your interview I saw some social media stuff about, oh, there's a bomb that's going to drop on Innova or something. And I was like, ooh, this sounds juicy. What is it? And then I I totally forgot about it. But I recalled it in Fierce, the uh, documentary. And I thought that was it was well done. And uh, I'm glad you yeah. shared your voice yeah. as well. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you for answering that. Um, yeah, do you have, we went well over what we initially talked about. Do you have 10 more minutes to play a game with us by Stat Mando? I think Let's we did it. have an employee come in at some point. Yeah, no, we're good. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Stat or Fiction <laughs> is a game it. that was okay. – it, it, the inception of it happened on this show because Stat Mando brought a stat that was incorrect. Yes, they do that sometimes. And we were mind blown. And we said there's no way that's real. So we need a game called Stat or Fiction. So Evan will bring us a stat or a, a, a statement, we should say. <laughs> we have to decide yeah. if it's stat or fiction. All right, go ahead and hit it, Ben. I like it. I like it. Stat or fiction, presented by Stat Mando. All right, All and right. we're going to be going up as well against intern Ben at the same time. So um, 
we we will let you guys play as a team, it looks like, unless one of you wants to take the lead. But we'll let you play as a team. You guys can kind of decide and convince each other. It's going to be unfair for us because two seven world championships in disc golf history versus <laughs> us. But that's okay. Here we go. Evan, take it away. Give us the first statement. All right. Paul Macbeth and Paige Pierce have won worlds in the same exact year three different times. So... Uh, to explain the game a little bit further, that's the first official statement. If you think that is true, that they have won the same wor worlds in the same year three different times, that is a stat. Right. If you think that is incorrect, whether it's less or more, you would say fiction. So, well, we're not starting with you guys. Is Matt, that is, is that your that, that's your statement right there? But that is yep. the statement. Yeah, I, I should explain the rules going ahead. That's okay. I, I said it first and then wanted to explain it. Okay. So I'll, I'll repeat it again. Ben, Ben's Paul going Macbeth, first. Okay. All right. Paul Macbeth and Paige Pierce have won worlds in the same year three different times. All right. I'm going first. I'm going to say stat because Nate was shaking his head yes. So stat. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing you, Ben. He's playing you. Um, I'm taking second answer here. Um, and I feel like for me, I can answer too easily. And I'm just not sure in the spot coming up for sure with a third. But I'm going to say stat because I know that they've won a lot around the same times. Yeah, I'm going stat. It could be more, though. So, ah, That's a trick. That is a trick. It could be right? four. That's his whole thing. Oh, okay. So it could be four God, or two. Dang it. Yeah. Or, I mean, it or five or one. <laughs> or it could be five. Oh, no. Did I mess <laughs> up? Gonna, or, or they won six no, together. We don't know. Yeah. We know they won their... F oh, yeah. You said stat. Oh, okay. stat, yeah, stat, yep, stat. stat, stat. Okay. So I know they won the fifth together. We know that for a fact. Paige's first one was in 2011. Paul then won in 12. And Paul went on a four-year four run. So did Paige Pierce win two in that four-year run? So we already know they won their fifth together. Well, it was 13. I, I, I'm going to go fiction. Whoa. He threw us for a curveball. <laughs> he juked us. All right, the chat is coming in with some of their guesses here. A lot of, well, a lot of back and forth stats and fictions. So, all right, let's. Because we know Cat won one in there. We know that 14. Hokum won one in there. Yeah, twelve. Yep. Thirteen. Yeah. All right, you sticking see. with fiction? Yep, fiction. All right, Evan, what give it got? to us. All right, this is a stat. Dang. We got so, lucky. Uh, 2013, 2015, and 2019. You were, of course, right about 2019. Um, yeah. But, yeah, in in uh, 2012 – or, sorry, Paige Pierce first one in 2011. That was with you, Nate. You knew that. Uh, Holcomb won with Macbeth in 2012. They both win in 2013. Uh, Paul wins in 2014 with Katrina Allen. And then they both win together in 2015. That was the last time Paul wins until 2019. But Paige goes on to win in 2017 with Ricky. Yeah. So 2013, yeah. 15, and 20. Okay. The, we had, I had all the other ones right, but I just, you did. And this is the... two, I should have assumed they were Paige. Hey, come on. I feel <laughs> so guilty for getting it right because I'm like, hey, they've won a lot, and I think it's more than two. That was my answer. So... In those years, all we knew is that we didn't win. So, true, you know. true, true. So this is funny. I feel slightly bad that we got lucky. Just like you guessed just like yourself the question... out of it. Just like the question, if the person who wins worlds is the best player yeah. in the world, that might be the that might be what happened with that question. Right, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, but, all right, we have uh, a few uh, more lined up. Yeah, I just want to say a quick, easy way that I remember is Paige Pierce won all odd years odd. up until oh, twenty twenty one. That's right. So, 
in the 2010s, That's she won every odd year. Even 17, yeah. yeah. That's why last year, and, and I don't remember if, Nate, you were talking about this last year with Commentating Worlds, but that's why last year I think that was brought up a few times. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. But, Statmano okay. gave yeah, it to okay. us. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Pandemic threw everyone for a whirl. We lost that's a world. Right. We lost a year somewhere. Freak out weird. All right, here we go. Statement but, two. All right. Uh, the best event ratings, uh, so round ratings averaged through an entire event, ever at the World Championships uh, since they uh, existed, uh, round ratings that are uh, in each division were both from 2019 worlds. So the best event rating ever uh, in the world championships for each division, both of the tops for MPO and FPO were from 2019 worlds. I, and I know you just said it over and over. We're talking all time event ratings, all, best round all event time rating. that ratings have existed for a round for one round. Oh, no, no, for average. The average for the tournament. Okay. Yes. Dude, Nate Sexton averaged pretty good. In, in Peoria, right? Oh, wait, which worlds are you talking about? I thought it was All, 2019. Mm -hmm. I, I, the the stat or fiction was that 2019 worlds okay. had both the records for MPO and FPO for highest event ratings at worlds. That might be a at favorite worlds. way to say it. So can you, can, Nate at, said Peoria. Can you confirm or deny that? Why do I got to help you out with this? Uh, okay, okay. All right. Fine. Yeah. Peoria was 2019 Worlds. Okay. The Ledgestone courses, as you will. I think it's a good guess. Wow. Guess. And so you just mentioned <laughs> Ledgestone. I know that ratings can come in hot when a player, I um, mean, this is true anywhere. Oh, man. This is just another guess because I cannot remember specifically that guess, World Championship. So. Who won at that one? 2019. You just told me. I think that was Paul. Well, it was yeah. The, that was the five year. Yep. Um, I don't think Paul that. set the highest event average though, which would be an interesting thing not to win with that. But I, I'm just rolling the dice. Fiction. But why were you so specific with that question? Okay, <laughs> Nate, you're up. Odd question, Kearns. <laughs> it's a shot in the dark. He's trying to. Read. I mean, He's digging deep, <laughs> and she's <sighs> she's trying to help him with his her telepathy. <laughs> That was a good year. They were they were pretty low. It, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I, did, yeah, does Ledgestone give up good ratings? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. But I just can't remember yeah. what if that everybody's event was. Going low, then it's not good ratings. Yeah, true. Yeah, they'd have to win big. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna go stat. I'm gonna go stat. Right. It's the it's the best guess going stat when those two win. I'm gonna go stat. All right, and I'm. He's just staring blankly into the camera. Just because mathematically, <laughs> such a random year, there's so many other years that worlds happen, I'm going to go fiction. Oh, interesting. Take. Okay. Evan, what do you got? All right. This is a stat. Oh, they just tied it, it up. It was weirdly worded. My apologies with that. But I do think it is pretty impressive. That I understood best... it perfectly. Yeah, yeah there we go. Right. The best event ratings at all time in each division were uh, 2019 Worlds. Uh, Paige Pierce had a 998.0. Um, when I pulled my list, I actually only pulled in winners. Of course, they were the top because they were the winner. The second best winner was actually Valerie Jenkins at 2009 Worlds at 991.86. <laughs> On the MPO uh, side, 1073.8 for Macbeth. That's the best ever. And I ex I know for sure oh. that Ricky in second oh, place good. was higher because he was also in the 1070s. Um, but the next highest winner was Macbeth in 2015 at 1063.67. Yeah. Thank you. 
<laughs> They're getting kicked out of Emporia Country Club. No, we're good. So we're good. We have, Thank you. I was going to say, we have one more question. Left. No, we got, right, time. we got time. I wanted now. to say, Somebody Nate, call Nate, the cops you... on you guys. No, okay, sorry. No, never mind. We'll, no. okay. Let's go on. Let's go on. All right, all right. We'll I move on. I had a check. I had a check. All right. <laughs> Too soon. Okay, all right. Sorry. I just thought it up in the moment and rolled with it. All right, Evan, what do you got for question three? Nailed it. All right, Matt. This one's directed at you. Me? Calvin Heimberg has never finished inside the top 10 at the PDGA Pro World Championships. Oh, my goodness. My favorite player of all time. You'd think I would know this. Uh, there's a running joke on the show, guys, that I dislike Calvin Heimberg, but I just speak the truth. He's the best player that with the fewest wins. That's my opinion. He's amazing. Well, now he is, too. He's amazing. Okay. Yeah, and he got a win or two this year. Okay, so you guys start right. this one. So Calvin Heimberg has never finished inside the top 10 at the PDGA Pro World Championship. Wow. How do I not know this? Has never? <sighs> has never. Zero mm. times in his career. I just got to say this about Calvin. <laughs> it, you, look at look at the era that Calvin Heimberg's playing. True. That's I, mean, I think it's pretty impressive what Calvin has been able to do amongst some of the best that we've ever seen. Absolutely. Up to this, up to this time. You know, and I talked about it in the Worlds last year in the final round saying, yeah, this wasn't good for Calvin Heimberg, but sometimes you have to be beaten back so you can come back two times better. And um, I think he did that. I mean, he 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 won. He's won two two elite series events this year. I mean, he's one of our better players. I mean, there's just no question about it, Matt. So uh, I'd fight you on that one. But I'm going to go ahead and say stat on this one. Wow. And to be clear, my the running joke is that I think he's the incredible player, like the best player, and it blows my mind that he doesn't have more wins. But to your point, that's why. It's the era that yeah. he's in. It's the era, man. All it's right. tough. It's hard to win. Exactly. It really is. So he's never finished outside the top that's 10. That's what Evan is saying. He's never finished inside, inside. inside the top 10. Yeah. He's inside. never done that at the Worlds. He's never done that good, Ben. Is that true? <laughs> what a telepathy with this guy. Oh, man, I don't have any mathematical computations in my head for this one. I'm going to go fiction. Ben, okay. what's your answer? I'm going to go stat. All right, so I pull ahead if I'm right. All right, this is a stat. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That was for you, Calvin, and everyone who thinks I hate him. I believed last year that he did better at the fort in that, that whole area. I thought he was in top 10. I don't know. He was what 11th. He was, he was 11th? No. Oh, I don't okay. know. All right. I'm not. What's the answer either. to that, Evan? All right. I mean, as a stat, that's the answer. Right. Um, his best finish ever at Worlds was 11th. Oh, that's what you're just asking about. 11th yes. at last year's Worlds. It was. Um, was yes. Right. Oh, wow. So just outside the top 10. I was so close, but I was wrong. But. Let's be quick with this because we got a tiebreaker between Nate and yes. Val and intern Ben Kenny. <laughs> so ben. this one is not going to be stat or fiction style. It's a tiebreaker. So it's just a question with a numerical answer and whoever is closest wins. It's not prices right rules. If you go above or below, doesn't matter as long as okay. you're the closest. Gotcha. Um, how many top tens at majors, uh, pro majors, let me preface that, in MPO, how many top tens at majors does Calvin Heimberg have? In majors. Just at majors. Well, we know we can take worlds out of that. <laughs> All right, Ben, you go first. All right, yeah. Uh, Age before beauty. <laughs> Ben's like uh, two <laughs> and a half. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go 
Top ten. <laughs> eight? I don't know. Eight. He just throws eight out arbitrarily, so that might not be bad. What do you guys think? Whoa. Boy, if this was Price or Right rules, I'd just say zero right now because, Ben, I think Ooh. that's way too high. I think it's way too high, Well, then too. you go seven yeah. and you win. It's true, yeah. You could do that. <laughs> I, I think I think I'm gonna I think the number's five, but I'm probably gonna Ooh. say four. Yeah. Wait. You gave lower. me a chance, thank you. Yep, they gave him a chance. Because <laughs> I want I want Ben to have a chance. Let's, Let's go, go with four. four. Yeah. Let's go with four. All right. Nate and Val, you guys win. And you're actually still over. It is three. Ooh, wow. Top 10 See, I was going to say Majors. three. He said five. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so right in the middle. That's the average. But you would have been right, of course. I always lose finished, in the tiebreaker. So. He finished second at 2020 USDGC, third at Champions Cup this year, and eighth at European Open. His only top tens. He does have a couple more just outside the top 10, 11th, 12th, 14th, all at the World Championships. Wow. And, and I'll say this about Calvin. He hasn't had as many opportunities as, say, a Paul McBath or even a Ricky Wysocki, even an Eagle McMahon. Calvin Calvin came into the game right around the time we were sort of exiting. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a college student. He was finishing out his college degree. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, those are some good stats right there. Calvin's you're first... talking about him. I feel like he's going to have like feel this oh, right boy. now. Like His ears start burning. He's getting Matt's out of the player's meeting going, I'm yeah, feeling I know. something. Well, <laughs> it's going to fuel uh, him up, I bet. <laughs> Calvin Heiberg's first major of his career was actually 2016 in Emporia, which, as we know, Val, you took home. So, yes, that was right about you guys kind of switching off. All right. I like it. I like we've, it. We've kept you kind of late here in closing. You're you're both trading off. Is it FPO MPO for commentating this week? Mm-hmm. Yes. And we're actually just going to sleep here because yep. they locked us yeah, in. Yeah, they locked us so. in. No, we're <laughs> good. We'll see you if, if we're locked in, this is the spot to be. Let's go. In, in all, 12 hours. Let's go. In all seriousness, how does that work? I mean, as a married couple, are you guys going to see each other at all this week? Or is it just going to be like craziness where you're like, okay, your turn. No, I'm going no. back to sleep. Yeah, no, it, we'll, we'll, we'll see a lot of each other. Okay. I, yeah. uh, I really, I, I kind of help. Oh, I, I run the booth for the most part. Awesome. Um, I do a lot of the technology. Um, th- we're super lucky this week because we have the whole crew that did mm-hmm. all the lighting. It, they were putting film on the window back yes, here. Yes, I so saw that. Just have a beautiful background. Oh. Um, they did the camera work for us. So we do see yeah. a lot of each other. And, and, you know, to be completely honest, I'm a huge fan of the FPO. I think it's some of the best action that we really see in disc golf Absolutely. is a lot of that FPO sort of back and forth. There's kind of those extreme swings that sometimes we see, which keeps me on the edge of my seat. And I'm usually sitting right there or just out of frame <laughs> yeah, right over here. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I won't miss awesome. it, man. You know, we, we absolutely love doing this job and, you know, we've just been very lucky to um, have the opportunity and we'll do it as long as we can. I think there's no question about that. Yeah. We'll, we'll see a lot we'll of see. each other. Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> I mean, he's the audio guy. He's the tech guy. He's the guy here making show, That's sure me. that the Let's show go. is running. So. Okay. Yeah. In turn, Ben's <laughs> feeling pretty lucky now too. Okay. Awesome. That's nice. great. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Nate, that you're doing yeah. that. Um, yeah. Th- it's a yeah. team. It's a team effort, man. I think I- I'll say that last thing I'll say about our crew that we have on the disc golf network and because we, we all work together with the disc golf pro tour. It's just a tremendous staff. Mm -hmm. You ask us a lot of questions about on the course and Mm -hmm. with the Mm -hmm. players. We have never 
seen more people involved in the production of a tournament than right now. There's mm-hmm. just no question about it, whether it's the PDGA staff or the massive Disc Golf Pro Tour, Pro Tour staff, plus all of the local staff. Mm. It is insane. And it is really, really cool. And we're just lucky to work with just even a fraction of those people on a daily basis. It's, yeah. it's pretty awesome. And that is a fraction of what you would see on any other sports broadcast <laughs> exactly. or true. anything else. I mean, it's, it's a, it is a small concentrated group of a whole lot of hardworking people that are trying their best to do what they can. So yeah, Absolutely. it's awesome what we're and, able to do. And I'll and, say this, I feel like, you know, you guys did capitalize. You own a business and you're, you're, you're here commentating. So there you go. You know, I like the way out. you think, Ben. I like the way you think. <laughs> we're winning regardless. Oh, you're the winning the regardless. We're doing good. Yeah. That's great. Fantastic. We thank you so much for coming on. Uh, really thank value you. your time. At some point, now that I have your phone number, and I'm not disclosing how I got that, <laughs> but now that I have your phone number, I'll check Uh-oh. in, you know, every other day. No, I'm kidding. I will, I'll send you a message. And I'd love to line up an interview to talk about other things in the sport at some point, both Valerie and you, Nate. I think those would be tremendous standalone interviews. You've done a lot. I'll try to think of something more creative, but would love to get you back on the show. Enjoy your week there. I'm going to enjoy yeah. listening to you if you've ever listened like when you were growing up i'd sit down and watch pga golf on a sunday afternoon and i'd be like this is the most relaxing thing to do right now nate in a weird way man that's what you are for me and valerie it's like we just sit there just sit back and enjoy and relax so thank you for what you guys do well thank you guys um enjoy the show should be phenomenal and and both nick and matt and everybody involved here just thank you thank you so much for for having us um and good luck with everything. If you ever want to talk again, we'll do it. There's no, no, no reason why we wouldn't. Okay, good, good. Point. Good. <laughs> we still like you. That's good. That's great. If you see Nick around, by the way, tell him he missed his own show tonight, okay? I mean, it's a it's, great show. He missed the best show. Right. He probably got locked out. Round. I think he got locked out. <laughs> yeah, I got the headset right That here. was the guy we said, no, we don't know who yeah. he looked like. You guys <laughs> who say, I'm <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you All very right. much for your time. Have a great evening. All right, bye. Thank you. Good night. Okay, everybody. What a fantastic. I mean, whoa. Awesome interview. I just want to say how cool that was. Like, like you said it during the interview, but that felt like that felt like the pre-show for Disc Golf Network all week. And we got to do the pre-show with them. And they're just sitting there in the studio. They'll be like, which it got dark at the end. But if you're coming in late, check out the beginning of that interview because it was such a cool background of the Emporia Country yeah. Club. Like that looked amazing. I love that they do that yeah. for uh, for this event. Uh, it, that was so cool. We were piped into their studio. I mean, yeah, that was cool bringing them into ours. It was really, really neat. I appreciate the, very much their time. <laughs> and for what it's worth, <laughs> I'm laughing. I shouldn't disclose, but I was like, hey, you want to come on for like 10 to 15 minutes? It turns into <laughs> 45 minutes to an hour. It's an hour. It's literally an hour from when I saw them. And But here's the deal. Oh, I said man. that. They said yes. And then I said, well, hey, because Val and you are both coming on together, can we extend that? And they said, absolutely and then they almost got kicked out and then they said no we can stay so it was mutual i i think it was a great interview uh, not that i asked the best questions but they are just fantastic with their insights um and so as we get ready we're, we're not quite ready to close out yet but they brought some they answered a lot of our questions um i, I made a joke in there about the page peers situation at the emporia country club 
there was a story that came out and drama resulted. People on the internet love a juicy story. And the fact that police officers were called makes everybody fly through the roof. Like, we need to know what happened. I don't know if we'll ever fully know, but you have to believe it's somewhere between the full inflated rumors and the the, the response that you saw from Schaefer Sports, their um, management, if you will. And Shaver Sports is like, yeah, it's all a misunderstanding. It's nothing. And then you have the rumors saying that Paige, you know, is flaunting her wealth and saying everything else under the sun and inappropriate in, in, uh, things to the management of the course and running down the fairways. And you're like, uh, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But either way, <laughs> that was my joke about the police being called on Nate and Val in the Emporia Country Club. Um, I'm not sure what happened, so we're not going to really report on it besides that something did happen. Um and then I love how he he came in on my take and said, this is the most up for grabs worlds ever. I don't think it's hard, though. Will we say that next year? Like, I think we'll keep on saying that, right? Like, but will we? If so, like, remember Paul Macbeth, his his run of events, right? His run of worlds and the years that he had. I don't think that year we would have said it's the most up for grabs. We would have said, you know what? If it's not Paul Macbeth, we'll be surprised. Like, anybody can get second kind of a thing. And so that might happen again. Like, if a player really becomes... It's it's the Ricky well, and Paul battle again. You might say it's not most up for grabs. You might say it's one of these two every time. Right? Yeah, I mean, you can look at Kristen Tatar. I mean, most people would probably say she is the favorite to win, although it's hard to go against Paige Pierce with five majors, or five uh, world titles and Katrina Allen coming off of one last year. Uh, but like it's it's so open from those three women i think it would be hard to say that someone else has a a large chance besides those three but it's so open between those three that i'm going back and forth like crazy like Kristen's probably the most informed but Paige going for six is the most uh decorated and katrina allen i think she was right up there in ddo this year so i think and she could go back to back which would be incredible and i didn't get to say this stat so i want to say it real quick i'm sorry but katrina allen has a chance of going back to back she would be the first fpo back-to-back world champion since valerie jenkins did in uh, 2008 to 2009 and shit that was actually a three peach she won in 2007 as well uh so that would be super incredible but i think it's incredibly up for grabs even though uh people would probably say Kristen is the biggest favorite okay uh practice rounds were canceled today or suspended due to uh severe weather coming through emporia and so those who thought they were going to have the afternoon to practice which hopefully they weren't putting it off that late and getting it that last little bit. Maybe they were trying to rest, but those who were trying to had to suspend it. PDGA officially said all play should be suspended, which is interesting because I don't think practice rounds are sanctioned. Granted, the venues and the, the state or the towns could work. To, anyways, it doesn't matter. It was it was dangerous. They shouldn't be out there playing. <laughs> I'm gonna... That's where you see memes. Paige out there running down the fairways. I'm gonna play. <laughs> and it's like, all right, we attack the memes. It's pretty funny, but you just don't know if it's real or not. And you hope that whatever's not real eventually doesn't distort Paige's, you know, who she is. But all anyways, I don't have the inside scoop there. Um, let's see. There's a little bit more to talk about here as just conversational. What does Paul winning his sixth, I say as if he did, if he wins his sixth, what would it do for his career? Specifically thinking over like maybe a little bit of the season, uh, questions around it, the most up for grabs year ever. If he does it again, 
does it just relaunch that whole persona of like, okay, like Paul just wins world championships. Incredible. Will it ever end? Even the next years, if he starts underperforming again, you'll just be like, you can't count him out. Everyone knows worlds rolls around and he wins it. What would a sixth do? Would it like, just, I'm just saying this kind of rhetorically, unless you have a real strong opinion. What do you think six would do for Paul at this point? I don't think a sixth does a ton for his mm-hmm. career, except making his names of discs make a lot more sense. Uh, <laughs> the whole Athena coming out and it's six letters as in six Ooh. championships, if that is true. Uh, as much as I think it saves this season. I mean, we've talked about him just having the win at Waco and then having a few other, you know, podiums and good finishes, but not good for Paul Macbeth. Uh, and so kind of like last year with USDGC, that saved a season. Worlds or USDGC again this year, maybe even a few playoff events could save a season as well. I think that means a lot more. Getting his sixth is huge, but he's not a 12 like Ken Climo is, and he he's proven himself over everyone else that he has a better, better legacy. Shout out to Wyatt Mahoney out of Connecticut, 13 years old just this week, and he ties for first in an NPO division, averaging 1,000-rated golf. I have to give a shout-out to him because, one, I've watched him grow up in disc golf a little bit. He's played with my son over the years, but he said Paul Macbeth gets the satisfaction. That's what a sixth win does. And you have to believe these players going and working so hard to Paul, the majors, specifically the European Open, specifically, and Worlds. The others are important to Paul, too, but the majors, Paul counts that as why he does everything he does. That's what matters. He's determined that. And you know what? All the players have. They said, where where do we get our, you know, announcements? Where do they look at? They look at worlds. They look at majors. That's where I'm going to focus my time and effort. So I agree with you, Wyatt. Great take on that. And the same thing for Paige. Does it do more for Paige to win a sixth than it does for Paul? Oh, leaps and bounds is is different. Because when Paige gets sixth, that's the winningest uh, FPO world champion. We have uh, Elaine King, Gianna Corver, and Des Redding all with five. Des Redding with five? Not Des. She's three. Yeah, it's, Des doesn't have five, I don't think. She has three. Elaine, Elaine and Juliana. Gianna Corver. Yep. And there's one more, right? Or is it just those three? Elaine, Juliana, and Paige have five. Oh, Paige is the third. Duh. Yeah. Okay. Sorry <laughs> about that. Wow. Thank it's okay, you, Matt, Stat Mando. Every now and then you need a Matt in your life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt Mando. Thank you. Matt Mando. Uh, <laughs> or, but, Stat, or Stat Graham. Yeah. It could, yeah, Stackram, that's your name. That's right. But her, her Paige getting the six cements her over JK and Elaine King. Uh, not that I think there's too much doubt right now, but it does cement that, and that is huge to Paige. I mean, you saw the Fierce documentary, how much it meant to her to get that six. That was the driving story of the whole entire documentary. Um, and if she's able to get that six, I think that's kind of a sweet little ending on that uh, documentary great point it would be redemption uh the same way it would be for paul i would assume too uh the fact that you both feel like they kind of both won it right up to the last hole and then they lost it so great point um we're almost to the point where we're going to give our takes um i just want to make sure we don't miss anything here how do you feel about worlds returning here at some point in the near future my answer is i don't feel like it's an issue of quality But the players, and I'm not speaking as a voice for them, but you hear enough about this venue, as you do probably a lot, but you hear enough about this venue that, ah, we just don't love it. We just don't love it. Um, Do you have to love it? No. I mean, do people love Northwoods Black? I don't, I don't, they're starting to maybe, they're starting to figure it out and like it a little bit. 
Um, but I just feel like we see a lot happen in Emporia. Good job for DD. Absolutely. Marketing, business plan, their growth is through the roof. I mean, million-dollar deals with Ricky. Bringing an event there that they run at a very high level. But for some reason, it just feels like we're there so often. I mean, we play a tour event there, as we will most courses. We're going to go to Smuggler's Notch. But players typically rave about Smuggler's Notch. So I, I don't know. My feeling is I wouldn't love it. It's not the most exciting venue. It will be better now that it's not going to be 50-mile-an-hour winds. I hope. <laughs> I hope it's not. We don't need a tornado or something. It, it shouldn't be. Yeah, no. no. But, I mean, how do you feel? Just generally about the venue, like we're I going in poor. I'll say number, I think number one is just because we're getting there twice in a season, mm -hmm. it feels like, oh, we're back here. Mm -hmm. And especially with the winds the first time around, it wasn't the most pleasant. It was unique, but not the most pleasant. Uh, so coming around a second time is a little bit less exciting, but in the future, we're going to only see, I think majors courses or worlds really specifically be the only stop on the tour. If it's a regular elite series stop, it'll kind of forfeit that elite series spot for that year to be the world. Right. I think that's the right move. And I wish it was that for this year, but that's okay. We're doing better in the future. What I do think, I do think the courses are a little lacking because they are two kind of similar style of courses. A lot of open shops, rope to be, but super technical landing zones. I mean, that's, it. it's good. You have to be a good disc golfer to play well here. Like that's completely true, but it is tough on the viewer, especially at Worlds, which is the biggest event of the year, the most watched it's hard to see where they want to land. And so my one ask is I think Emporia, the city is so clearly behind disc golf. They love disc golf. The city's supportive. They mm -hmm. have so many courses. It's a destination for that whole Midwest area. I want to see Emporia put money into Jones and make it a premier course. And yeah, they're not going to be able to plant huge trees. They're not going to probably not going to be able to do huge ponds. There is a pond on the property. Uh, but I want to see more like mulching. I want to see kind of uh, plants and scenery and stuff like that defining the fairways instead of lines. If Eric McCabe can just go to the town and be like, let's put a row of, you know, uh, uh, plants, bushes, whatever it is to define this fairway. And that's what's the line's still there, but it is so clear to viewers. I think Emporia could do that. I think they could make things really clear. You see what they did on hole one with the rock structure. I'm sure that took a lot of time, takes a lot of money. That is true. Uh, it's not an overnight fix. Uh, but if they kind of have that ambition that they did on hole one for all 18 holes, all 17 others, I think that could be a state of the art course. I really do. Even with, just the general nature of Emporia not having a ton of woods. Okay. I agree. Not really. I said what I said. You said what you said, but <laughs> we did meet in the middle somewhere. I liked a lot of the points you made. Thanks. Let's do this. They're out there and I've seen posts by Kona and others saying, why is it so hot? Well, my friend, you should be using DG Max Wax. <laughs> <laughs> DG Max Wax has become my friend in so many ways. I mean, I don't talk to it, but I do hold it. I feel it. I massage it. <laughs> I say, you help me out with my game. It enhances my grip. I've seen people say they're ditching the dry bags. And I will say this. I do not regularly carry a dry bag with me, but you don't have to ditch your dry bag to enjoy DG Max Wax. In fact, I would recommend use something to dry your hands, whatever that is, your choice, and then use DG Max Wax. They have it in the mini shape here where you can actually use it as a mini, and my hands are actually feeling enhanced grip right now at a very nice level, and they also have Snapstick. 
Snapstick comes in the chapstick size container and it has the DG Max Wax in it. Citradelic smell, leaving you smelling fresh and lemony citrusy and it enhances your attention and calms you to make a better putt if that's what you're doing. I love it, 10% off at checkout, dgmaxwax.com. Fantastic product that I think they should be using and I bet people are using out in Emporia for this week. All right, um, I followed that up and I said, uh, what are we talking about with courses? Are we going back to Emporia? And I do wanna see here, let me do, do, do. I wanna see what I missed here. All right, let's talk about it, playoffs. Evan, you were talking about playoffs pre-show and this is a new thing in 2022 and it's based off of pro tour points how you advance and make the cut semifinals are at smugglers notch green mountain disc golf championship and do you have off the top of your head the points required to get in there or do you just generally know like it, who's not who's on the cut line it's not a points required because it, it's dependent on the standing so it's true GMC, not points required but where you are yeah. based off of points correct yeah it's it's top 100 okay. um so uh, just based off like a max points, um, it's sorry, excuse me, it's top 100 in MPO and top 50 in uh, FPO. So just based on like max points that someone could get, which only is two events left. It's a major, which a lot of players are going to have this be a dropped event. Either this is going to push out another event to be dropped, or this will be the dropped one. And then there's one more silver series, which I really wonder how many people are going to play because it's right after Worlds, but it's going to maybe be uh, necessary. Um, so some players right on that edge, I mean, like, uh, Terry Vothelsberger sitting right now in the 99th most possible points that he could achieve. Um, uh, and then Andrew Fish is someone that's just right out. Jonathan Nicholson, Kyle Moriarty, um, those guys are just outside. They're going to need strong finishes in order to get that bid to get to GMC. Um, but it's really interesting to get into the MVP open one uh, players sitting outside the top 64. Um, uh, you got guys like Tristan Tanner, Colton Montgomery. I mean, Robert Burridge who might not plan on going, but even after that amazing finish, he is 71st. Uh, a lot of Europeans. I mean, like Jakob Semerad, we saw him over in Europe, uh, Christian Kuoksa, Jesse Niedemann, um, Paul Ulibari sitting outside. Um, Gonna need some work. A good finish here at uh, Worlds could really jump you up to get you into being in that uh, top 64 or top 32, depending on your division for MVP Open. Um, yeah, it'll be exciting. The Pro Tour event, like series events, are done. You have the playoffs, but it doesn't mean they can't get points still. And this is your point: is that you're saying, yeah. Worlds is happening and these people are on the cut line or they're not in it. They haven't secured it. They haven't clinched it with a good performance it, here. They will with a bad performance. They miss it. Yeah. Well, and there's a silver series, uh, it, the Butler County, but the, the old, it used to be Pittsburgh. That is a great point. And that's a clarification. When I said no more series events, uh, silver series are just so far like down the list as points are concerned that 
if they're able to use points from a silver series, that means they aren't doing well, in my opinion, at this point in the season. Yeah, and and you only keep three out of the eight exactly. silver series. So a lot of players probably are well over that mark. They need a really good finish. After Worlds, we'll kind of break that down and, and get a good feel right. for it. Um, some interesting notes, though, is just based on points and maximum points allowed, both or not both, all three of Ricky Waisaki, Kelvin Heiberg, and Paul Macbeth all have buys to the Disc Golf Pro Tour quarterfinals. Uh, and on the FPO side, uh, let me just scroll up real quick. It's Paige Pierce and Katrina Allen both have buys. No one else has officially clinched that. Of course, more players will get it, and Worlds uh, will tell us a little bit more. Um, but it's, it's exciting times. These playoffs, just with the extra points, it's it's exciting finish to the end of the year. Majors counting a part of it, majors being at the end of the year. It's all super exciting. It's going to be hectic, chaotic, but so enjoyable to watch this play out. Mm. Uh, and specifically, we would be remiss not to bring up Maple Hill on this podcast. <laughs> but Maple Hill, the home of the Nick and Matt show officially. I mean, we're all spreading out all over the world now. Evan moved up to New Hampshire. Nick moved to Virginia. I don't Plinko know where Ben's, Ben's going next. but <laughs> I'm staying here. We've worked hard to make this show resilient tech wise and it's working if we had not done this this last year like the way that we have it it would it's we would have been done by now so well hannah Macbeth. hey guys <laughs> hannah the most embarrassing thing on my show tonight ever <laughs> happened <laughs> i'll have to tell you about it honestly sometime. an awesome opportunity that's like <laughs> something you like that's like like a guy rapping for kanye west and him and then like, you know what i'm saying like a crazy true. opportunity that like was not intentional true i think he's probably <laughs> he's probably like let's go i just got a free promotion on accident <laughs> i'm just i'm i'm reliving it and i'm embarrassed again it's like i feel bad and i'm like like it was all innocent very innocent but it's just like one of those things that's what embarrassment is okay mvp open is coming up we are local here for the most part evan i'm sure you'll be around are you gonna try to come down every day oh. or are you gonna try to find a place oh, or you'll be there <clears throat> oh we got we got the stat mando house all okay. booked Great. Uh, I'll be down for all four rounds. Is it um, in the Leicester area? Do you know where it is? Yeah, yeah, we'll be in Worcester. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So um, that event I'm getting stoked about. A few other things just to mention. USDGC is a big event that's still coming up as well. Worlds is going to be done, and we're going to be like, what's next? But don't worry, that is another drama-filled event that you can be sure that will pop up something random on one hole down there that will get all the attention from the media, and they're excellent at doing that. Um, our friend Ted Nalen, uh, he, and I'm not sure it's in collaboration with Double G Craft Jerky, but he has been asked to revamp the distance competition. And if you think about USDGC, one of the things they do is a throw pink thing and they do a uh, throw for ace to, for, to raise money and they do it over whatever Winthrop Pond or whatever that is there. And it's a, it's a smash and they usually have a DJ come out, but supposedly it's kind of dwindled a little bit over the years and ted's revamping it uh they they gave out like 500 bucks last year it doesn't sound like that much um but he's raising it already this year alone he's up to 1500 prize for the long distance which man maybe i should throw further i can make some money <laughs> um and so he's doing that so be on the lookout for that coming up and um i will say one other thing local to us here if you're not a local this won't benefit you but you can look around the country where this is happening Double G, uh, David Wiggins Jr., who was on our show at one point, 
um, and others. I think I've seen Cole. I know Jessica Weiss is a part of this at some level sometimes. And they're touring around with the events, and they're hosting long-distance uh, drive clinics. Uh, I'm not sure that my game can be helped. <laughs> like, maybe it can be, but throwing far is another animal, and they're doing that at Meadowbrook. Shout out to them, a local venue. Look around you for a venue near you. I know it's going to be very popular, a local Disc Golf 978. You've probably seen them on sponsored players around the country. I just wanted to give a shout out to our friend Ted for putting those events on with uh, Double G, David Wiggins, and others. Speaking and Cole, Cole Riddallen, I mean, that kid can throw farther than anybody, it seems, when he gets his hold, hold of it. And speaking of Meadowbrook, quick shout out to uh, Paul Kranz for taking down MPO. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And he, he, Paul Kranz did do that. But Ben Kenny there took it down is. MA2. Let's go. So last week, this was a show that I kind of crashed. I wasn't on. But last week, I heard Ben won an event yes. in a playoff. Capital this over. This week... He has like a 10 stroke lead going into like the final nine holes and he bogeys out and he still wins by three in his division. So yes, the not, kid's not killing happy it. about it, but you know, I still got the win. <laughs> Nicholas Carl in the chat, everybody, Nicholas Carl. Uh, he shows up here at the end. Fantastic guy to do that. I, Nick, I'll talk later. Uh, again, you guys missed a nice embarrassing show. I'm glad you did. And a great show. That and was a great, great interview. Yeah, I say show. I, th I thought moment. it was a great show. Okay. I, I mean moment. They're both very <laughs> articulate. They, 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 they should be professional commentators, oh, yeah. right? And you know what's interesting? Now let me get this off my chest. Here we go. People will hate on them, like literally, and they'll say they're not hating. So I want to be careful. I don't mean they hate them. There are some people. They don't who, like their commentary. There's some people who take it too far and probably are hating them. <laughs> but they're, generally, there will be people who are like, they suck. Oh, they're the worst. Oh, I can't handle this. And you know what? Here's what I tell everybody. If you know five people in your life, it would be unfortunate if one or two of them hated you. It'd be like, that's pretty bad. It's not usually that type of a number. If you know five people, most of them probably like you. You know, 10, probably similarly. You know, 20, maybe one doesn't like you. As more people get to know you, it's just the stat percentages, right? Stat Mando, there's going to be people who don't like you. So I will count at this. The fact that they have people that say they dislike them means that they are very well-known. And you can say that's a good or bad thing, but the point is there are so many people who like them, uh, me being one of them. Well, he, he, he especially but, Nate, he, he was just so passionate. Like, yeah. it was just like, it's like I was captivated to, to the way he, he spoke. And the I hard go part is passionate doesn't always always work to say i'm a good commentator but i agree with you yeah i'm just saying i agree instance, with you yes. on the show oh, on the show like yeah. awesome like you were crying like, yeah. yeah i was crying it was so captivating <laughs> i i just want to go back to the des moines playoff uh on the mpo side yeah. and, and nate's nate's commentary of that was some of the best commentary we've ever seen in all of disc golf absolutely like that playoff the playoff told itself like you I, have I new haters now evan you have new I, haters I could have, now that i could have been up there wait, winging just, it and it would have been exciting can I say something? but nate took it to a whole nother level yeah. so one time i was sleuthing around on disc golf reddit looking up nick and matt and obviously matt gets the most hate <laughs> along with nick nick i think Give nick's second tier and then I, I got one good comment about me because I'm intermittent. Like I'm like <laughs> I'm like a flash in the pan. Like I'm here sometimes. I'm on the show. I'm not like a bank character. But I was so surprised. There was Evan Kern's hate comments. Wow, that's absurd. That's next level. There was literally hate comments for Evan. It was like I was like what? 
Oh, man. Well, meet me face to face and you'll find out who I really am. <laughs> War man gets paid, baby. <laughs> I'm I, just playing. I don't know if I really want to say this, but if you dislike me, come and tell me that next time you see me. It probably will hurt me a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. But nobody's done that yet. Like, but that's the thing. It's not, nobody's done that yet. It's not. They wouldn't. It's not your personality. It's like they wouldn't come up to you like, True. "Bro, you're a terrible." But it's just like they just don't like. I don't know. There's so many things. It's like they they like he talks like a squirrel. Like that's not a real comment. But like, <laughs> what's with the squirrel talk? It's just like the squirrel there's so many random things. He talks like a squirrel. No, he he just talks way too slow. Like it's just like the randomest yeah, things. That's all right. They, hey. We should uh. Pull out that Nico quote, like, if you're going to talk crap about me, you keyboard warriors, meet me on the course. Yeah, meet me on the podcast with your own podcast. <laughs> Wait, we should do that. Nick and Matt haters in studio. <laughs> We've talked about doing like, you know, um, what are those called? Bad tweets or whatever they are, where they do oh, the late yeah. night show where they read it. <laughs> yep, like, I have to read it about myself. He is horrible and he talks. So, yeah, it'd be funny. I've thought about doing it before, but I'd and be the one to end up reading them all. Maybe that's okay. We should try that. We'll give it a go. All right. Um, but I will say this. We got off on this tangent. Someone told me you have arrived when you make it into a Reddit thread that is filled with hate about you. You've arrived. I had a, if you on go two different podcasts, Matt. That's pretty impressive. You can go look. You can go look in Reddit and find it. It's Nick for my Matt other show, and League, League Night. Night. That means you really made it. It's like, Matt, I'll say it, Matt is insufferable. Like, that's literally, like, people are leaving, like, 100 comments of, like, horrible. And the, the, there was, a, like, this weird backhanded compliment. It was like, his production value is, like, the highest of anywhere in the whole sport. And, like, that's all he brings to it. And I'm like, man, <laughs> like, that's, like, like, I want to say, oh, that's nice, but it's like this weird, like, backhanded comment. So I thank you for the humor to those of you who are doing that. I have come a long way with myself. I used to be a little bothered and by that. No, ah, no one better comment, they didn't talk about worlds. Listen, we talked about words. Listen to, listen to <laughs> the first 30 minutes. Ago. No, two hours of it. Yeah. Okay. This but, entire thing was about worlds. But we didn't get to, yeah, we didn't give our picks. Okay. True. And so... <clears throat> Here I go. I feel like Ricky will win it. Mainly because of the venue. He plays well here. Okay. And he does a lot of places, but that's kind of where I'm going with this. He tends to be able to explode here. Paul Macbeth, arguably, probably without arguing, the best world's player ever. It makes me think he's not getting worse than second and he could win it. I wouldn't be surprised, but I think my pick is going to be Ricky. Eagle is needs to be in this conversation. For some reason, I'm not feeling it, and I'm going to give Simon the love for top three. And that's literally like a love pick. <laughs> like, it's like, I hope that kind of a pick. Eagle, though, not a wild horse by any chance, could win it, but he's not in my top three. Wouldn't be surprised. Um, that's my top three, MPO, FPO. Paige does not win it, and I don't know if she gets second either. I'm seeing a third or worse for her, so she's in my top three. Um, Kristen, I'm picking to win it. Her performance there was great this year already. Uh, she demonstrated that she has all the skills necessary. I think it's her time. And Katrina has plays well at this venue in course and tournament, not Worlds, but also 
She has the world's experience, and I think she's just going to eke out the second place. So that's my top three, both sides. Evan, who do you pick? Once and done. You can't change it on every uh, show you go on. What are you talking about? <laughs> right, well, I'm going to go a boring pick because it's the same as you, and I'm going to pick Ricky Wysocki and MPO. I, is, I don't think he deserves two out of three picks, or maybe even three out of three. We'll get to Ben, too. Um, but he is my pick and I'll own it as well. I had him going in before the show. Um, I, I think it'll be like a five plus stroke victory. I think it'll be exciting. The final round will be a little bit like, yeah, Ricky won kind of a la Ledgestone this year. Um, just for the stat, I'm going to say Paul Macbeth finishes second and then third <laughs> place is some, well, like, I, I don't know if we did will. the same like, pick it's... so far. We did the same picks. Ricky, oh, shoot. Paul, dang it. Okay, well, that was on the fly. Now. Were you going to say Simon? Um, like, maybe Simon. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, you just know. Just feeling like it could be Simon. Simon's yes. so likable. I hope he does well. But obviously, those majors have gotten to him. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something wild. Like an Anthony Barella, maybe like a Joel Freeman. You know, very good players, but maybe not on our radar to be a podium at, at Worlds. All um, right, but switching over FPO side, I'm going back to back Katrina Allen. Um, I think second place is like Macy Villa Diaz, maybe um, something, someone a little uh, outside with uh, Paige Pierce coming in third. I think Kristen Tatar misses the podium. Uh, she is only two for ten in misses getting podiums at podium. majors. Elite series, she's fourteen for fourteen. At major, she's two for ten. What? Of course, that's what a lot are we of putting on the line the here? I'm putting her as winning, and you're putting her as missing the podium. We need a bet here. Yeah, like fourth, like maybe, a meal, maybe fifth, a meal or a disc, or a disc or a tournament entry of only up to. Oh, that's 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 too, too much. steep. Too steep. I was gonna go like two dollars, maybe. No, <laughs> come on, Kearns. back your takes. I'll bet. I'll bet you an. I'll bet you an Izzy. <laughs> okay. What does the chat think? Uh, okay, keep yeah, going. Chat, what do, what do you? What, what's your what third? Should be. Uh, yeah, third. Third was Paige Pierce, but I, I said Macy Villa Diaz coming in second. Okay, and third was uh, first was who? Katrina Allen. Okay, Katrina. Back to back. Okay. Let's go. I wouldn't be surprised. Ever second, and that's what I said. I think she plays here extremely well, but I got to go with Kristen. Okay, uh, Ben. All right. Oh, you have to watch my children. That's the, <laughs> that's the answer. Oh, Loser goodness. shaves their beard. Oh, I, ooh, ooh, not bad. I'll say a caddy <laughs> hunter maybe or something not like that. that. Dude, shaving the beard. That is a good one. Well, that one's bad because then one of us is going to look bad for the next Dude, episode. But Courage, you have the odds, bro, on your side. If, if Kristen doesn't win, then... We, I don't want either okay, of us Okay, shave shaving the beard. beard, we're going to have to come up with a bet that works. That's not a big enough bet, like, as in, like, oh, could, Kristen doesn't win or she gets outside the top. Like, we'd have to make it a hotter take. Like, like he would, if, if you said, like, outside top 10, then I'd be like, oh, not. Nah, we're doing beards. But, like, if you're saying yeah, fourth, no it's not big that. enough. That's just too close. It's it's too close. All right, That's how yeah. I backed out of that. All right, fair. Like, I, I say an I say an Izzy. Let's keep it small. An Izzy, okay. Come on, energy, energy drink, Izzy. Yeah, whatever. All I'll right. get you a beer, maybe. Uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, nice. my turn. How's your parasailing, by the way? I, I'm still in the air. It's still help me you out. Need to get you ropes. I know. <laughs> um. So <laughs> my first pick is gonna be you know. I have a real close relationship with him. 
Um, if you want to tune into Jomez final round Maple Hill, you'll see me and him doing a little <laughs> the one of these. It's Matteo. He's taking it down. He's taking down the world champion. He he's he's been playing since like 2005. The worlds that was his first world. He's Calvin Heimberg 2.0 though. Yes. like he's so good. Yes, he's I think gonna he's gonna win. win. Nope. He's gonna pull it off. Second place, I'm gonna. You have, have to grow a beard if we if you're Ooh, wrong. I can't really. <laughs> <laughs> Second place, I'm gonna have to go with Eagle. Third place, Nicholas Antilla. I guess it is Nicholas Antilla. I like him so much that you know. He's co- he's coming in third place. On the FBO side, you know, I'm gonna go stick with my gut. It's the prettiest, pretty obvious choice. Everyone expected this. It's gonna be Kona Panis. She's taking it down. I'm telling you, she's gonna make that contract worth it when she's a world champion and they're printing hybrid lucid escapes with her name one time. <clears throat> I will say champion. this. I feel so contrary to that take. You said Kona takes it down, right? Yes. Okay. I feel so contrary to that take. I will shave my beard if she wins. <laughs> you heard I'll it here. Too. You literally heard. Oh, you said it too, Evan. I'll shave my beard if Kona okay. wins. I mean, that, I, that was all a big respect Kona. to Kona, That was my but... point. That's a big enough one where I'm like, you are absolutely yeah. wrong. And then we come back for next her, week I with just our don't beard shaved. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh man. And then, um, yeah, she's gonna take it. Down. I would shave my beard happily. I'm going to, for second place, I'm going to have to go with, um, I had it in my head before I even, uh, <laughs> oh wait, fourth, Harry Chase and MPO, forgot about that, um, but, um, second for FPO, <laughs> Ella Hansen, that's who it was, and then third, Paige Pierce. The, the chat said, if she, well, how about it's this way, he has to back up his take, if she loses, if she doesn't win, he has to shave his head. <laughs> Oh uh, man! No, that's see. He knows it's a hot take. He won't back that one. So, well, I want to drop in a stat to uh, to Ben's MPO pick. Matt Oram has 117 starts in elite series and majors. He has zero wins. Uh, that is the second most starts without a win of all players. Uh, Philo Brathwaite only being the higher, being the only higher one. Excuse me, with 150 starts and zero wins. So that'd be incredible. 117 starts and on the 118th getting your first Philo has major never won win. an elite series? He has not. Jeez. Nope. That's unfortunate. Incredible players. Winning elite series is tough. <laughs> I mean, for <laughs> Philo back then, I feel like it could have been easier when he was like prime. Definitely would have I mean, been easier. A lot of good Californians. I mean, like Steve Rico picking up a lot of those wins. I mean, a little kid named Paul McBeth back then. <laughs> he uh, looked, yeah. he did look different. I'll tell you that. I picture how I first yeah. remember seeing him compared to now. Much different. Mm-hmm. All right. We got our takes out of the way. We put our bets up there. Except Ben has nothing to lose, though. That's the problem. He doesn't have a beard to shave. All right. So. I'll, let's make a real bet. I'm down to make well, a real bet. Well, we've already made ours. We've already made ours. Okay. If Kona wins, we shave. And it, it, people are like, that's a good it's true. It's not a hot. That's not a big bet for us. We're not gonna have to shave our beard. All right. So I, I like the one that someone said we would have to do the one chip challenge on the show if we. Oh, lost. that's a that's pretty good. I like, like beards for Kona, but I, I'll do the one. If Ricky Wysocki wins, I'll do the one chip challenge. How there about? You go. Yeah, whoever. Yeah. Hmm. Whoever gets the most of their picks right. I don't know how we're gonna judge that. But whoever gets most of their picks right gets to sit out 
the one chip challenge. Oh, that's that's cool. Okay, I still don't know what the one chip challenge. It's hot. Is. It's like okay. scorpion, can like I just, pepper, hot. Pepper I know we're running chip. out of time, but can I give a quick story? So me and my friends is Otterbrook. It's like seven a.m. We all take uh, four pieces of the one chip challenge. We break up the chip, all eat it to play disc golf right before. We thought it was hilarious. Three of my friends puked from it on the absolutely. course. Absolutely puked. <laughs> Had had to one had to go home because he he was so sick from it. And no, the other two <laughs> puked and just ca- were like felt so awful. So you're saying we might just literally cancel and, the show? And <laughs> like, I had over. I literally had to I don't know how to probably say this when nature calls in the middle of the disc golf course with no toilet paper and I had to like the Otter Brook you know Otter Brook the brook you know I had to sit down in it and get some leaves and it was it was a mess. All because of the one chip challenge. It, it was. It was. So it was. It messed all our stomach. The up. show might be over. Like at yeah. that as night. fun as that sounds, I vote a different challenge. Okay. But and I, I want to do to something. I want to do something really quickly because I had more time to process the the take I was bringing on Kona winning. That is my immediate reaction. I have to back it up just a little bit because I was like, "Is there a chance that I'd shave my beard?" And the answer is yes. This was kind of the most up for grabs year, as we we're saying, ever. Could she win it? Absolutely. Does she have all the skills necessary? Deep inside she does. And she's working to get them out. <laughs> and so that's the part where I'm like, yeah, no, it's I'll, I'll shave my beard. I don't mean that at all offensively, everybody. Like, literally, like, I want her to do well. <laughs> it's just that I'm trying to bring my honest reaction takes. And so that's where I'm at with it. Um, Wow. We pushed the show back. We actually went extremely long. I know. What a, it's a good, it was a good show, though. All right. Um, but I think we're ready to wrap it up. We talked about a lot. We uh, have one more thing to do before we close out, and that is talk about how much I love Hempfield Botanicals. In all seriousness, these products that we advertise are products that we use. The other day, I do not know how it happened, but my wrist inflammation got serious again. I do have tendonitis. I've had it for a long time. I've worked on it. And it inflamed. My first immediate reaction was to go get some of this Hemfield Botanicals, some of the South. <clears throat> and I just rubbed it on, let it sit there, soak in, use some more. And it started to feel much better. Uh, overnight, woke up, and it was much more alleviated. Hemfield Botanicals, it's great for your just typical muscle recovery following around when you feel sore. I was helping Simon hang a TV up in his house on Saturday. What? Well, I think it was Saturday, Sunday, Saturday. He left on Sunday and like, no joke. I don't use those muscles very much. <laughs> my legs, I was squatting and, uh, and my shoulders and my arms. And so I went for the hemp field botanicals. It's good for on the course. You feel better. You play better. Uh, great product. Nick's favorite. What chapstick? Awesome products. We really appreciate what they're doing. 20% off is significant. If you're going somewhere else to get your product, Commit to doing this next. Get 20% off your order. Nick and Matt code at hempfieldbotanicals.com. You won't regret it. All right. Thank you, everybody. Nick is not here to say his little closing piece. We can do the do-do-do. See you later. (laughs) So I will end it like this. Evan, we're excited. Are you busy with Stat Mando all week? All week. We're getting those stats ready. Okay. Be on the lookout, everybody. When Statman will get shouted out, say, I know that man, or I know one of the three. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
Ben, you excited for Worlds? I'm so excited. It starts tomorrow, correct? Absolutely, Let's dude. We're not going to be able to get enough this week. I hope everyone enjoys it. Uh, we will come back next week and see how wrong we are. To be clear, the only beard shaving bet is if Kona wins. I, I just want to be clear. We're what's not coming the, back. What's the one chip bet then? I'll do one chip if what? Who? Someone wins. <laughs> we'll do side well, if bets. If Ricky on wins, chat. then it's both of us right and Ben or up. No, we'll what I was saying is if, if, no, here's what I'll say. And I was just about to close out. It's whoever gets most of their picks right. Like, and we'll have to figure out how that actually works, but most of them right gets to or gets to choose how about that you get to choose who eats the one chip challenge the winner gets to pick okay and you can say we're breaking it in half and okay that's how we'll do it whoever gets it most right gets on, to Matt pick you. who gets the one chip challenge all right yeah i'm pretty sure ben's not choosing who eats the one chip <laughs> all right everybody this was a great show appreciate everyone jumping the chat would you like it would you share it would you leave us a review we really appreciate it until next week everybody enjoy worlds ben you're awesome Evan, you're awesome. Nick, do well at Worlds. We're rooting for you. Peace out, everybody. See you. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.